Hi, this is Reese Roper, and you're listening to our newest podcast ever. Hey, everybody, this is Andrew and John, and we love this podcast because it's about us. Welcome to Magnify Pod, the second season, our newest podcast ever. And I saw you standing over there, and I was wondering if, like, maybe you wanted to go do something. Uh, I'm Andrew. Uh, no, I'm John. <laughs> this is our podcast. That was good. That was on. <laughs> yeah, trying to trying to do a little reference since <laughs> you know got to come up with something new every week since everybody is blowing it. And yeah, doesn't want no, nobody wants to play the game, I guess. This is, this is, I don't know if this is me just trying to force something that everybody's like, nope, not do, not getting into it. But, just to, uh, just to remind everyone, we welcome your <laughs> silly intro ideas. Yeah, because not, it's going to change every week, whether you like it or not, or whether That's you right. contribute or not. So yeah. <laughs> it'll probably just get less funny with me trying to come up with them. Know, but, that, was, that was gold. Uh, trying. <laughs> um speaking of gold got this mm. <laughs> golden brown elixir Ooh. that i'm drinking over here that looks nice one of my classic old fashions i love it what kind of bourbon you're rocking in there um only chicago's finest coval hey that's hey i'll gladly take some of that coval spawn con <laughs> yes please <laughs> if anybody wants to uh send um p.o box um, we don't have a PO box. No, um, we should. <laughs> I no. I, I think I looked into a PO box a long time ago. Do you know it, it's it costs a lot? It costs money, like Ooh. good amounts of money to get a PO box. And I'm not ready to rent out a PO box when nobody's if nobody nobody wants to send us <laughs> intros, let alone yeah. <laughs> let alone free shit. Liquor, yeah. <laughs> yeah. If or if you want to send us, um, what were what were we asking? We were asking for beer last, yeah. last time. I still welcome um, that. You can just yeah. put your home address. That's fine. <laughs> yeah, just we can. We'll. I'll, I'll personally hand out my address to strangers on the internet and expect oh, them. Out. <laughs> there shouldn't be any problems nope. at all. Um. So, uh, John, what's going on? What's going on with you? What do you What do you got going um, on over there? I'm drinking a little, uh, little water. Because I Lame. don't feel good. <laughs> oh, no. um, Was it because you were hanging out in ice castles again? I, that might have been, yeah. <laughs> like everybody in our house is sick and we've all kind of like, I didn't go to work today and my kid oh, no. didn't go to school on Monday and then he had to leave early today because he was sick and we're all just kind of a mess. So anyway, Ugh. I pulled it together for the pod though. Making the sacrifice. <laughs> That's right. Instead, instead of sitting on your couch watching... The season premiere of Brooklyn Nine Nine. Uh, that's true. We keep making doing... sacrifices for the pod. <laughs> I know we missed the series finale of The Good Place for the pod. We missed. We're missing the season premiere of Brooklyn Nine Nine. Yeah, and you know we just we're doing this for the people. That's true. Um, I don't know why we keep doing it on that <laughs> that that dope Thursday night lineup though. What did they used to call it? Like. Must see TV. Uh, must see TV. Or, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. that's. I think that originally started with like Seinfeld. And, right, right. And you know, what's the deal with must see TV? <laughs> well, it's. Uh... I don't. I don't have to see anything. I don't want to see. Stop trying to make me see it. <laughs> oh man. 
<laughs> so good. Who wants to see me? Nobody wants to see me. Come down to the club. <laughs> must see TV. Must must pod Thursdays. <laughs> now it's must pod Thursdays. <laughs> you know. can't even see the pod. <laughs> must oh, hear man. Thursdays. I don't know. What's going on? Uh, NBC, if you'd like to sponsor us as well, I think we just got. I think we just got a cease and desist from Jerry Seinfeld. <laughs> yeah, please <laughs> refrain from ever doing that again. I think if Jerry Seinfeld got a check for every time someone did a bad impression, of him, <laughs> yeah, that's true. He'd be, he'd be like he'd, even he'd be, more insanely be, wealthy. Yeah, he would be more obnoxious and more rich. I hear he loves Christian Scott, so he's probably <laughs> That's, a listener. That is true. <laughs> uh, if I mean, if anything, I mean, the Seinfeld intro was like, did, <laughs> did, it did yeah. have that, it did have some slapping bass. <laughs> nope, that, that will definitely get us <laughs> get a cease and desist. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's true. They, uh, have, you, have you ever heard when, when like somebody does like a Seinfeld parody and they have like, just a a slightly off version of the Seinfeld bass intro. <laughs> yeah, and it's that sounds not, weird. It's it's sort of like sort of adjacent to it, but right, right. this is a uh, our our Seinfeld pod uh, yeah. Podfeld. <laughs> There's probably many of those. <laughs> I haven't done digging. Yeah, it, it, or we'll call it "What's the Deal with Podcasts." Yeah, that's actually that's a pretty good title. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen this? <laughs> <laughs> this is this is just our 90s it's just going to be everything 90s perfect uh it's our have you seen this pod anyway um should we've got a we've got some business that we need to tackle up front i think you need to tackle yeah. because you you were called out <laughs> by more than one person regarding regarding steve <laughs> Come on, Steve. Yeah. We're like, come on, John. Come right? on, John. Yeah. Is- <laughs> 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 oh, wait, no. That's something else. Um, no, I, uh, yeah, I've got a few corrections here, or like a couple corrections and one um, interesting omission, I'll say. Okay. So, sure, sure. Um, this is our first corrections corner, I think. We, we okay. used to rock those a little more frequently on the MXPX <laughs> season, but. Um, yeah no. that's that's true because we had we had uh i think we had more next px so. haters <laughs> like yeah. people who were like fuck these guys yeah they don't know they don't know they don't know what their their jfk stuff <laughs> there needs to be yeah. and i hate mxpx group so that we get a little more leeway did anyway you, did you just so we're clear did you catch my talking about the, the J, they hate the jfk stuff i did but no one okay. else did <laughs> <laughs> okay i just i just wanted you to acknowledge it so, so people weren't like what jfk <laughs> what are um, they talking about anyway that can be a plug to go check out our ratings and reviews if you'd like to offset some that contain gibberish um you're always free to do so you're always free to do that please do that Okay, so back to come on, Steve. Now, come last on, week Steve. we talked about all the hype, mm-hmm. and we talked about the song "The Phantom Mullet," mm-hmm. and Reese says "Come on, Steve" before you know the big guitar buildup. And uh, I was like, "Who's Steve?" And we were speculating as to who it could be. You said it's probably some Steve from an '80s rock band, and yeah. uh, you were right about that. And yes, multiple people pointed out, of course, Steve Clark, the guitarist of Def Leppard. <laughs> 
the subject <laughs> of our spinoff Def Leppard, which you can go back and check out. That one's real. Um, yeah, that is a, that is one of our real fake pods. <laughs> yeah, and uh, yeah, so that's uh, of course lead singer Joe Elliott talking to guitarist Steve Clark in the song Armageddon, it a classic off Hysteria, where he says, "Come on, Steve!" before a sweet guitar solo. So, anyway, of course they were channeling that. I really fell down on the job. I think I knew that somewhere in the recesses of my brain, but uh, I yeah. Failed. But for the for the people that don't understand why you should know that is because. <laughs> We have talked about your love of 80s metal and 80s, like, you know, glam metal. I think we even talked about it on last week's episode. We did, yeah. And yeah. maybe we even talked about Def Leppard. We did, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, so it's just a failure. And how, how it was the, uh, how your first album was, your first CD that you ever bought was Adrenalized by Def Leppard. Adrenalized, yep. So it was just, it was, just fail on fail on fail. <laughs> yeah, no good. Yeah. Well, so this so will thanks. be John's. This will be John's last episode because. <laughs> Sorry, everybody. <laughs> it's been a joy and an honor. <laughs> it's been. It's too embarrassing to. <laughs> yeah. Just fumbled the ball that hard, so close I to know. the end zone. Sorry, everybody. Anyway, I'm glad I have closure on that, though. <laughs> um, also, I believe as the correction on myself for me, I believe I said last episode that um, there was that uh, quote from Keith from the band about. Uh, the album being a rock record with horns. And I think I said that was about all the hype. Um, but in fact, that was a reference to Electric Boogaloo, which we'll be talking right. about this week, which makes more sense. Right. So anyway, I think I said that wrong. Apologies for that. Finally, um, one thing that past and future guest Brian Nelson Phelan pointed mm-hmm. out to us was that, um, you know, I've been saying each week, like, wow, they knocked another one out in November that each year they were putting out an album basically and right. i thought that was just like their commitment to doing that but yeah I, I looked into it a little bit and that was the contract that they had with five minute walk basically that um reese said for us we had to make a new album every year that was how five minute walk operated money wise it was too much <laughs> so yeah and something that i think it was something that brian said in the text thread right was imagine if they had yeah, a little more time with all the hype, right? Maybe it it could have been. I just think there's so much uh, there's so much potential there. Yeah, and then it's just like it just wasn't fleshed out enough. And I think there could have been. I think there there was greatness hiding somewhere in the inconsistencies. Yeah, it was just something I hadn't really thought about that they yeah. were not. Um, that, that maybe they would have liked a little more time on some of those albums, it's, such as that one. <laughs> so it's so unrealistic to think like, cause you got to think. So part, part in, in a one year span, they have to write an album, right, record tour. the album tour. Yeah. And then somewhere in all that time of touring and living their lives, they have to come up with new material Right, and then do it. And I mean, a year sounds like a long time, but it's not for writing yeah. an album. And that then sounds doing horrible. It, it sounds it does sound truly horrible. It's pretty crazy when you think about like. I mean, it was really only like eight years that they were together. It feels like more because they were banging out an album every year. Right. Um, but yeah, that I can understand why you might want to be done after a cycle of that for years on end. So right. Yeah. I I honestly. I can't, I can't fault them. And I know that 
there's a lot that you can glamorize about right. about this life and it does seem at times that it could possibly be the absolute worst. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, anyway, that's the corrections corner. Well, thank you for owning up to <laughs> that's right. <laughs> your mistakes. Um when I when I make one, I will I will let everybody know. Okay. <laughs> that will never happen. <laughs> no. Oh man, I meant that's it's so unbearable for me, David. <laughs> <laughs> um John, let's let's listen to should we listen to some to some voicemails because let's do it. We have a uh we have a first time caller. Hey, uh I don't know if this, I don't know if it's a first time long time. Okay. Um but he didn't he didn't say but uh we we have our third Jason. We have <laughs> Jason from Unoriginal Vinyl. We have Jason Ariano who called last week um, and, and did call again this week. And now we have Jason from Atlanta. So we got enough Jasons, got enough Brian's, J- and Danny's. Okay, Danny's. people. There's a moratorium on any of those names. So yeah, we up with a new one. Calm down, everybody. Let's get some. <laughs> we let's just let's diversify it a little bit. All right. All right. Yeah. Let's let's get a. Let's get a couple like Neds in there (laughs) or I don't know. Please call us Ned. (laughs) All right. Here's, here's Jason from Atlanta. Hey, Jason from Atlanta, man, loving the podcast. The five, especially, uh, take me back to my late high school years. Few notes. Um, yeah, my first five iron concert was a proof. The youth are revolting concert and I'm man I remember being scandalized by the fact that the lead singer of the W's had a no FX hat on <laughs> the riot gear song was the first song my little sheltered behind had ever heard that questioned whether or not the police were right about things mm. which as I've gotten older I appreciate uh, yeah. all the hype man I remember that's the first album I ever listened to that I was disappointed in I was so looking forward to it mm-hmm. and it was such a letdown yeah, uh, keep on rocking with the pod. Um, also, the Atlanta show I was at just recently, and I'm disappointed that it's all, like, old greatest hits. I want to hear, like, them play Engine of a Million Plot back to front. That would be, like, my ideal five-iron concert. I've seen them seven or eight times at this point. I don't need to hear Blue Comb again. It's a classic, <laughs> but eh, switch it up a little. All right, love the pod. Keep on rocking, guys. Thanks. Thanks, buddy. Thanks, man. So, a lot to unpack there. As I had said in last episode, the all the hype, I didn't have. I didn't end up getting it, so I didn't have the that moment of disappointment that I, I think right. a lot of people would have had had they been had I ended up buying the record. Like maybe I, I should have, but right. Um, yeah. Do you do you have any do you have any um, thoughts on that? I mean, I. So what I said like a couple episodes ago before we went through the album was like referencing that it was not one of my favorites. And you were like, I don't think you're alone in that. And that was kind of the first time I guess I was aware of that idea for some reason in my head because it had like sold really well. And that's kind of when they broke through to another level and got some new, um, you know, like I said, we were seeing like displays for it at record stores and stuff. Right. I assume that people were into that. So it's been interesting to see, like I felt sort of 
you know, sad admitting like, you know, I don't like this album very much. And everybody's like, oh yeah, neither do we, including the band. <laughs> so it's like. Right. But, but, you know, however, um, we did have somebody, um, Brian O'Neill, mm-hmm. um, on our MagPod Facebook group, uh, said unpopular opinion. This is my favorite studio album from right. the original run. <laughs> and, and Leonor even Leonor was like, whoa. <laughs> she said, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and then somebody else said, I'm pretty sure it was the first one I owned. So it has always been special. Yeah. Um, and, and then, uh, yeah, this JT Carnahan, he said, yeah. uh, he was once asked by a handful of members of five iron, what album, uh, he would want played in its entirety, getting back to Jason's voicemail about he would want engines played in its entirety. Mm. Um, and he said this one, to many groans from the band. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, he says it's the most cohesive of the albums, which False. I just really don't agree with. <laughs> uh, it's got a lot of theatrics and ups and downs, true, and variety that would lend itself really well to being performed live. It may not be my favorite, but it's certainly their most unique album. I think that's true. Something can be unique and also not good you know (laughs) true it it has variety it is unique it is theatric and does have ups and downs but is it is anything but cohesive i think this album is all over the place we use the word interesting a lot when we were talking about it yeah Um, Uh, yeah, i I mean i think i mean i think there would be some songs that would be uh interesting to see live but I don't know. I, I don't, I, there are not too many songs that on, on here that I would necessarily yeah. care to see live in I, place of something else. Right. I did just say, I would like to begin the campaign for them to start playing the Phantom Bullet in their sets again. That would be oh, fun. Oh, for sure. No, that, that's, I, I would 100% be, be into yeah. that. That would, that would rule anything, anything with heavy metal Micah guitar. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, I do. I yeah, I was disappointed when it came out. But like you, I never. It just never really, because I listened to it through a couple times. It just never really was one that was in my regular no, rotation. No. Um, Not super memorable. No, and then um, yeah, I mean, as far as what Jason was saying about their sets, like I definitely feel similarly. I would love to see some deeper cuts. And part of what was I was excited about with going through all the albums for the pod was like listening to some of the stuff. Um, from the 2000s that I wasn't in uh, love with initially and have enjoyed going back through. But yeah, I mean, no spoilers, but the album we're talking about today, pretty good album. Yeah. Um, and no, I would really like to hear a lot of those songs live. So uh, Agreed. Agreed. This, um, well, and we'll get into some of the, we'll get into the, a little bit later, we'll get into the question of the week that was posted about Boogaloo and rock with horns and the, and the switch from ska to rock with horns. Right. Um, but you know, like, so giants is definitely one of those songs that I think would be an interesting song to see live. Just yeah. see how they would I wonder see, if they could do it. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. So good. I mean, he sounds exactly like it. I'm glad that he's in on the joke with us. Oh, man. It's, I, oh, gosh. So, Reese confirmed, I think. 
Reese, it's confirmed that Reese is the Phantom Cackler. Phantom Cackler, yeah. Oh, I don't know, Phantom Cackler. What do, you, what do you think about that? When you first heard that, did you feel like you had he been accidentally st- recorded somehow or something? He was stepping. He was stepping on your. He was stepping on your thing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he really, he really sounds like that guy. Yep. Um, Thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, kind of getting in. <laughs> I I love this so much. It's so good. <laughs> I don't care. I don't care if anybody else. <laughs> this is our podcast, and we yeah, love it because it. <laughs> it's about us. That's right. Oh, oh man. man. So so Danny Leary. Um, speaking of this transition of the end of third wave and moving into a new time of like what what's happening now that ska has kind of like reached its um its zenith of popularity he has some thoughts Mm -hmm. on that hey guys it's uh dan leary calling back dan leary whatever same name um so i want to talk about the year 2000 and ska music it's so funny the way you know and jason has empirical proof about this essentially He, he but about his his you know what he mentioned on the podcast about how the year 2000 is pretty much like the end of third wave ska. Um, the last time you mentioned that when you had him on during the MXPX episodes, I was like, really, is it true? And now like, you know, having thought about it more and having seen the ska documentary, I'm like, okay, I get it by the year 2000, like fans couldn't really make money anymore. It was like, that was the, the decline. But the thing for me is that 2000 is when I went like, full tilt into ska like i wasn't even like i knew about certain bands like five iron and my money boss tones leading up to that but by 2000 i'm like going to the record store every weekend and buying every ska cd i'm like actively looking for ska shows all the time so like 2000 is when i'm becoming a major ska fan so then to learn that it was like basically starting to crumble at that point is so funny to me because i'm like that I had no idea. And the analogy that I thought of is it's like like the video game crash, right? It's like when I was a kid, I had no idea what the video game crash was because I was like, I just love video games and there's always video games around. And then like by the time I'm in my teens and 20s, I'm like, oh, there was this crash in the industry where mm-hmm. the future of video games was meant there might not be anymore eventually. And I'm like, I had no idea about that when I was a kid. So essentially I'm like this like high schooler, just after high schooler, who's obsessed with ska in 2000 and like that's apparently the end of it. And I had, that's just not my experience. And also I was thinking about this, it's probably might be because I'm from Boston and by 2000, and this might be like the exception that proves Jason's rule, right? Like Big B and the kids table had not even broken in 2000 and they were essentially my local ska band. Like they were starting to boom by the year 2000 in my eyes, like they were constantly playing through and they were becoming a national act with how does it go, how it goes and the albums that followed that. So it's like, we might've been in this, I might've been in this one pocket where like Scott wasn't dying. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to follow up on that because it's just, I don't know. It somehow blows my mind to think how, you know, I get it. Like Scott was dying all around the country for some reason in my tiny world. It just started. It was just getting going. I don't know. Mag- Magpie Flies. There we go. Oh, there <laughs> yes. we go. Did, didn't want to cut. It, didn't want to cut that off. So, uh, you know, here's the thing. Like, um, I started college in 2002, 
Mm-hmm. And I was that stereotypical college kid. It was like freshman year, started growing my hair long, started like getting into you know new music, trying to broaden my horizons. And it's not that I, I stopped listening to a lot of the music I did in high school. It's just that like I started really getting into other genres and you know I really started listening to hip hop for the first time and I started listening to metal a lot like metalcore and really aggressive metal my freshman year and so I think it's not that I stopped liking ska because it was not popular mm-hmm. um, because like I feel like anytime I would throw on one of those old like less than Jake or suicide machines or five iron records. I'm like, Oh yeah, this is, this is really great. I haven't listened to this in a while and, and I'd be into it, but you know, but for Danny, it was like, that's when it started ramping up as other people were sort of shifting into another trend or another, another style of music. Yeah. I mean, I think it's probably empirically true as he was saying that like, by the end of the nineties, it's, it's bubble had kind of, um, not burst, but, but shrunk <laughs> significantly. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, it, it could definitely be the case. Like you were saying, Danny, that Southern California was an exception to that. I mean, it, I'm sure there was still a lot of Scott bands coming out of that area that it never really went away, but yeah, yeah it wasn't for me so much like Scott turning my back on that. It was more like what Jason was saying last week where, a lot of the bands that I'd been listening to around 2000 or the early 2000s started putting out albums that didn't sound like ska anymore (laughs) that, you know, that shift generally from ska to rock with horns. And I just wasn't as into that. And so I just kind of fell off the ska bandwagon for the most part. Um, But it's been cool in the last, you know, whatever, five, 10 years to see, some of that coming back and I'm not going to say anything about waves because I know that's controversial, but especially Danny Leary will, He'll send, he'll give us like 12 voicemails <laughs> right, about yeah. the difference between, you know, why, why ska needs to be broken into waves or whatever. Right, right. And no other genre does that. It <laughs> diminishes the, the legitimacy of whatever. Anyway, I want to play a voicemail. There's just a kind of a shift in tone here. Mm-hmm. But this is, uh, we, Jason Ariano. Um, left us a voicemail. This is this is a, a a real podcast listener when he picks up on how we're doing things and he's thinking ahead. You know, mm-hmm. he's he's proactive in his pod <laughs> listening. So props to this guy. He was thinking. He's like, okay. So with their five, they're looking at. Last week we looked at two thousand because the album was released in two thousand, and this week we're talking about two thousand one. And so he's thinking okay, what are they going to talk about in 2001? They're probably going to talk about 9-11. So uh, he's right, and John and I will get into that a little later. But uh, I wanted to play uh, Jason's uh, voicemail sort of talking about his memories of that day, and then John and I will just sort of um, pick up on that a little bit later in the pod. Hey, guys, it's Jason Ariano calling again. Um, I have Notice the next album is 2001, and I know in your guys' five, what happened during that time, um, 
most likely you guys will be talking about 9-11. Uh, for those of us who are, you guys are a couple of years younger than I am, but we were all young adults at that time. And I think uh, it was probably one of the most life-changing things, or the most life-changing thing that our country's ever been through um, at that time. And uh, I just want to share my memory of 9-11, um, living here out on the West Coast in California. I remember around 6 in the morning, my mom pounding on my bedroom door, telling me to wake up because our country's about to go to war. And I just thought my mom was going crazy because she over-exaggerates a lot. I was like, Mom, whatever. So I turned on the TV, and my first thought was, holy shit. And uh, I remember watching it, and... Uh, the buildings are still up when I've turned on, and uh, I remember watching them show it, and the broadcasters didn't see at the time, but I told my mom, oh, my gosh, there's bodies falling out of the building. And uh, uh, it was really life-changing for to this day. I'm still, uh, whenever I go out to places with large crowds, uh, the back of my mind, I'm always thinking it could happen. Uh, whenever I go to a sporting event or anything like that or a concert, I always think, wow, we could get attacked. And uh, we've all been changed because of it, because now wherever we go, whether that's a sporting event or a concert, we go through metal detectors. Um, that's because of 9-11. Um, but it was definitely a, a changing experience for all of us. And uh, that all, none of us will ever forget. So she, uh, I was only 23 years old at the time. Um, so I was young, uh, adult. I think you guys were probably late teens, early 20s. So it's definitely uh, something that we will never forget. So uh, hey, thank you guys for a good job. And we should put it down on the podcast, but I know most likely you guys will be talking about 9-11 as you guys talk about the next album. So take care. Have a good one. Uh, thank you for that, Jason. Yeah. Um, I sharing. mean, it is it is a very somber thing to to discuss, and I think you know one of his points that I will want to bring up later when we talk about it in our five is his point about anytime we're out in a big public space, anytime we are. Uh, at a at a movie or at a sporting event or something like that, um, you know, and I think that's precisely what terrorism is supposed to do and accomplishes. Right. Is that it's it's supposed to make you feel that way, and in in one in some ways, like I I I don't think about like. I don't think about some big terrorist organization coming and bombing a movie theater. I, I think about somebody with a gun. Right. That's what I think about. I don't think that's it's, I don't think of some nefarious um, Middle Eastern plot with planes. I think some buddy with, you know, a vendetta against, you know, you know, we'll, we'll get into it, but that's just, um, yeah. um, yeah. but anyway, we're going to do one of our, uh, <laughs> classic hard left turns from something super somber, uh-huh. um, into another kind of somber conversation. Um, because 
we got a voicemail. We got a couple voicemails today, not today, but for this episode, um, relating to Fahrenheit, the song on all the hype about um, Freddie Mercury and Reese wrestling, um, wrestling with uh, the idea of homosexuality and and sexuality in the church and. Um, so, uh, Danny stairs left a voicemail, but it was like all garbled and like, I couldn't understand most of it. So that was kind of a, an unfortunate thing. But then, um, Danny Leary left us some voicemails. Um, and he was like, I don't know, this is kind of hard to do in, in voicemail form. And it's kind of, uh, kind of hard to just have like a one way dialogue about something that has kind of nuances and he was wanting to make some larger points. So I thought, you know what, why not just have him on the pod to discuss this and, and some other stuff. So, uh, Danny, are you there? Can you hear us? Can you hear us? Yes. Now I can hear you. Hooray. Yeah. (laughs) I had, well, I took the headphone, the head, uh, Phones out. I'm not sure if that helped or coincidence. We can hear you fine. No. Okay, good. Cool. Hello. What were you talking about? I have no idea. We were talking about 9-11, so (laughs) perfect entry point. Yeah, so. I have have five iron 9-11 memories. Ooh. I don't know. I couldn't hear anything you guys were talking about before. Well, I was. I was calling about. No, um, so we, yeah, we were, um, I, I gave a, a pretty decent intro into, uh, you talking about calling and trying to leave messages and nuances, right. like, like a nuanced position on like Fahrenheit and how that really wasn't working out well. Yeah. <laughs> so, it was like, I mean, was, I thought, yeah. I thought you were making some points, good points, but I think with, with something like this, it's, it's easier to like dialogue about it than it is to just try and just shout it into a voicemail yeah, system. Exactly. Cause I was like, especially if I'm like, if I'm saying something and I'm, and I'm wrong or I'm saying something that maybe you can cue me that I'm being misunderstood. Like that's right. the advantage of actually talking about right. it. But if I'm just talking in a voicemail, like there's a good chance I'd say something really awful that I didn't and then get, and then get canceled. Talking about a subject like this. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. So, did you actually play the voicemails? No. The voicemails? No, I did not play the voicemails. <laughs> I, I figured it'd just be easier to say, Danny, kind of share your thoughts about uh, what you were thinking about the song because you said that you thought that we, we hit on a lot of the points that you would agree with and would yeah. think about, but you had some other some other thoughts. Yeah, I mean, you guys, yeah, what you guys said was like, I thought it was all completely spot on. And then I even re-listened to that segment knowing I was going to talk to you today. And um, it was, you kind of brushed up against this when I re-listened, but didn't exactly say it. My thoughts on that song is like, I think it deserves a little just a little bit of credit. And I don't want this to get mixed up with me saying, I agree with the love, the sin or hate the sin part. Right. Right. Cause that's the big, that's sort of the biggest problem with the song. Like maybe there, if you took that part out, you could almost saying it's just like striking, you know, 
accusation at the church about homophobia and stuff like that. It's the love the sinner, hate the sin part. That is so, that is incorrect. Yes. Um, But when I think about that song, the thing about it for me is that like, I was raised in churches, you know, with institutionalized homophobia, just like flat out, you know, homosexuality is a sin and all of that. So, but practically speaking, I didn't meet an openly gay person and have a conversation until I was like 23. Mm. Right. So I didn't actually have like homophobia in practice. It was just like, I've been told being gay is a sin. And if I see, you know, stuff that goes against that in TV or movies, then I get a little offended and I don't really know why. Cause I was kind of like taught to think that way. And so for me, that song, it, it, that's not like some big beacon to me breaking my way of thinking with that, but the, it was definitely one small piece of it to ultimately like break away from the way I was raised and realize like people living their lives is not a sin. You know what I mean? Right. And so the credit I just kind of give that song is to be the, the song that it is with the, with the one bridge that is as problematic as it is to even be in the, in Christian bookstores telling possibly kids who are raised that, you know, probably in ways worse than I was where maybe they're like flat out, you know, the churches I went to, they weren't preaching about homosexuality every week. It was just like an underlying theme, but like, what if kids, you know, in the, in 19, in 2000, what if kids later on, even today are raised to like flat out think that homosexuals and alternative lifestyles are the enemy and they're there to like destroy us. And they're so sinful to have a song like this, even though it's, you know, has that bridge. It's like, it kind of like, I might kind of crack the armor a little bit. Yeah. 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 And you kind of brushed up against that, but I was, I, when I re-listened, but, um, it was definitely like one small thing that kind of opened my thinking with the Mm. way I'd been raised to believe, you know? Yeah. I think that's totally fair. I mean, we've talked a lot about how their songs on any number of topics were sort of like eye openers for a generation of church going kids, like that this is their first kind of window into justice thinking. Um, And I think, you know, it and just questioning the questioning yeah totally <laughs> everything right so it might not line up as neatly the song with those other ones but i think it's totally fair yeah. to think of this as one that could have for sure got some kids wrestling with things and thinking about things differently and i i was kind of dancing around this but also like whatever reese was going through at the time might parallel you know might have paralleled the kind of thinking that i was growing in sure right the realizations yeah. that i still had in the future so when I, you know, to, to hear that Reese is flat out ashamed of the song, like that's yeah. totally valid and all. Yeah. But like, I think like, you know, he took that moment in his life where he just, and who knows what kind of thing he was raised to believe, if anything specifically, especially because they're like a band that's doing Christian festivals and like, you know, really entrenched in that world. It's not like they're, some like a band like mxpx who might be part you know might be sold on christian bookstore shelves but they're kind of doing their own thing in the regular music industry fiber and frenzy was like smack dab in the middle like surrounded at all times doing church shows 
yeah. you know, right up to the end. Like I would see them most half the time at church shows. And that's part of the reason they broke up. Right. Like right. they were half doing church. They got more money at church shows and they got at rock venues. So it's like they were surrounded by people in a mentality that was much worse than what's presented ultimately in that song. So to sort of just to, for him to be thinking being homosexuality is still a sin in his eyes at that time, but maybe we shouldn't hate them for that. You know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? Like it's, right. a, it's, it feels like a half measure from the viewpoint of what we kind of know as a society now or what we know as like people who have maybe turned away from that Christian world and what we think now, but it, it feels like a real full measure. If you think back to the mindset that maybe, you know, you were used to in churches at the time. Yeah. Yeah. I think the whole like love the sinner, hate the sin thing was used as a kind of progressive idea within yeah. like super conservative circles at the time where it was like, what, well, how can we still love people? Which, you know, as Andrew and I got into, you don't you probably can't really, but like, I appreciate the idea that they're trying to say, how can we be actively less <laughs> hateful to people yeah. i don't know well it's also i see that kind of as a way of uh shutting down the conversation if you can just wrap it up nice and neat and say it's it's almost like saying agree to disagree and then you just you just move on if you say i oh, love the sin or hate the sin you know i, I don't i don't I don't hate anybody. I don't hate right, anybody. Right. I just think all of these people are going to hell and are going to be tortured for right. eternity. That's all. That's I'm trying to save you. I'm trying to give you the good news. You, you know, and then it's, so it's like, this is how a lot of people were indoctrinated with what they think of as love. They're preaching the good news that you're going to hell and you're a terrible sinner. They feel was like a loving directive to say like i this is you're you're gay that's a sin you're going to hell and i i need to tell you about it i completely i 100 percent agree like that's that's the it's like i guess the the door could go both ways like if you are kind of on the fence about whether or not you're homophobic and you're christian like you could be like oh love the sin or hate the sin they are sinning but that's not what i think i guess you yeah now i'm thinking yeah. out loud <laughs> Even past the point when this record came out, I still had problematic views about homosexuality. Right. Well into, you know, um, 2003, 2004, like I was still wrestling with, with it. And I, I think I've admit, admitted this on the pod that like I believed and said not so good things about, you know, gay people when I was when I was in middle school and high school, because as to your point, Danny, this is what we were taught. And, and, and so for somebody to just, uh, even the slightest bit shed a little humanity on these people to like, like you said, again, the, you know, put a little crack in the armor, just sort of just break it down a little bit to get you thinking like, Oh, this person, this Christian who I, I respect believes this, is that okay to believe? And, and sure. it just gets you thinking outside of your narrow idea of what a faith should look like. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. And I, and I challenge anybody to find another Christian band that talks about native American genocide more than five iron. That's <laughs> not going to happen. I mean, it's not going to happen. And, and, and wrestling with these, these kinds of issues. There's another uh, lyrical issue that we're going to get into in another episode for brave St. Saturn. Um, where he, he has another song where I feel like he's trying to do the same thing. Oh, and Which <laughs> it's the song Under Bridges. Oh, okay. Um, which I think has all of the best intentions, but I think lyrically it just, it comes off as a little, like when you think about it, you're like, oh, are you comparing homosexuality to all these other sort of, uh, are you saying it's on par with like being a rapist, you know? Right. So, but we'll get into that on the, <laughs> on the Brave St. Saturn um, episode, but. It was actually, I've, t- I talked about this on our podcast, but it Which, was. What, po- what podcast is that? Uh, Sadie Hawkins pod. Ha- if Sadie people want it, if people. <laughs> at gmail.com, Instagram and Twitter, Sadie Hawkins pod, phone number 402-95-Sadie. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> um, <laughs> At that, that time, you couldn't boo me. You're like, oh, well. We can <laughs> all, um, in, all in good fun. But uh, when we did our episode about their song, God, about Reliant K's song, God, we talked yeah. about like our history in different, the kind of churches that we grew up in. Yeah. And for me, it was like, it was actually the, the view of homosexuality that I was raised in and then thinking about it for myself and then actually making my first like openly gay friend in college that that was like what started to make me really question the things that I'd been raised to believe. And, you know, the things I was indoctrinated to think had to go hand in hand with my faith. Mm-hmm. Cause then like the, the, the thing that started to not make sense to me was exactly that. It's like, I was, you know, I was taught to think that homosexuality is a sin on par with things like rape or yeah, right. these awful things. I'm like, how does that make sense? And then it was ultimately like, the these like thought experiments that they'll they'll give you in church where it's like you know if a murderer has done all these horrible things but he comes to the lord in the last minute of his life and right repents then he goes to heaven and but i always got the sense in all the different in the church the churches i went to and also the private schools i went to that's like if a homosexual prayed for forgiveness like well that's not going to work because you're still gay it's like you can't be like they without saying it i would feel like they'd say you know you literally can't be gay and believe in Christ as your savior. That somehow right. that was the only sin, quote unquote sin. I don't believe it's a sin. Just want to make that clear. But somehow that's the only sin in their eyes that would like invalidate your salvation or right. like God would right. cancel Ugh. it out. That's like, <laughs> I had this one teacher. That's a, that's a pretty, that's a pretty weak God that they, that they created I know, for exactly. themselves. So that was like, that was the beginning of me seeing like, well, people, you know, it's love. It's not a sin because it's love. And then right. it's like, you know, seeing like, how is that on par with all this other stuff didn't make any sense. So that was like, that was really the start of me, uh, <laughs> you know, thinking for myself in that way. Do you know the Episcopal presiding bishop, Michael Curry? Don't uh, know him personally. <laughs> don't know him personally, but he's um, uh, the, he who, he's who gave the sermon at uh, Megan markle and and harry's wedding and he has a a quote that says if it's not about love then it's not about god Mm -hmm. and i think that's i think it's a an interesting it's kind of what you were just 
saying essentially that, you know, this is, this is two people who <laughs> love each other and we need more love in this damn world. Okay. So yes. if, if people want to care about each other and extend love to another human being, then I will co-sign that every time. Agreed. Um, yep. And Concur. hey, hey, is uh, is Jess around? Because speaking hey, of, <laughs> hey Jess, <laughs> we're playing Witcher Three right now. Oh, nice. Because um, I I remember listening to that God episode and and kind of Jess's. Because um, if I'm thinking about the same episode and uh, there was just I remember she was saying something about one of the leaders in the youth group that was saying some like questionable problematic stuff. And then, Oh, it was about the movie, like a, maybe a movie that she really liked Sin City. And she was like, Nope, like, Nope, I'm done with this. (laughs) See see you guys. (laughs) It's in the title. It's called Sin City. I can't believe Jessica wasn't on her side. I know. I mean, this is clearly filled with sin. It's an entire city filled with sin. (laughs) It's right. Was it, was was it, was it, was it in Las Vegas? Was that where it was based? No, no, it's, it's a, based it's, in I, city. I, it was a. It was. A, <laughs> I was like, I don't know how to engage with that. That was. That was <laughs> a, I can give you the. It was a. It was a layup answer. joke, guys. It was just a. It was a stupid joke. <laughs> well, if you're familiar with the works of Frank Miller. Oh boy, it's Talk based in city. This is this is a this is another episode of the pod. <laughs> he was canceled. Um, well, if, speaking is, of your speak, podcast and Five yes. Iron and Five Iron, we should That's tease right. uh, tease an upcoming collab. Yes, we need to figure out when when to do that. Yeah, because we go song by song through every Reliant K song, right. and uh, there's the Five Iron Frenzy is dead or dying, and we want to have you guys on that episode, and especially because you're just like one more episode away from the breakup, right? The well, the, uh, TBD. We were trying to do some scheduling stuff with with that with that that pod. Um, so we'll, we might and. We have a very special episode next week, so okay. we're we're just gonna so tease you're that. Some time. Yeah, we might have to. <laughs> we're we're gonna have to buy some time, perhaps. So, um, fortunately, there's also a bunch of, you know, EPs and cheeses and <laughs> spinoff bands, and we got content right. for a while. Speaking yeah, speaking uh, of Christian bookstores and being lame, um, how they like changed the name of cheeses of nazareth to just cheeses Cheeses. yeah because they're a bunch of cowards and now (laughs) and now they don't want the cheeses album on streaming right right right? but when it was on streaming it had the unedited album cover Mm. and i was like that's really cool and i wanted to like print that and slip it into my cd case like it always should have (laughs) been oh man good times well we will make this crossover happen sooner rather than later. Yep. Cool. Thanks yeah, for I, sharing your thoughts, man. No problem. I was um I was also at the um what's sorry. Um what's his name? What uh Jason. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When uh, what Jason mentioned last week that he was at the last Five Iron show. Right. Yeah. And I guess I could have run into him, but I didn't know who he was because I was there too. And Reliant oh, K wow. also played that show. Oh man, worlds colliding. Yeah. So we're gonna <laughs> we can have a whole bunch of stuff to talk about when we have that crossover episode. Yes. Oh, yeah. Love it. Oh wait, do we want to talk about your your nine eleven Five Iron memory? Oh right. Well, <laughs> or is basically, that too weird? Just, and which is also Reliant K related. It's just that <laughs> I I never realized how close it was, but the 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 Electric Youth tour. Yeah. Which started in September of 2001. 
I I remember I've I've always remember I went to that tour for two shows and I I've always remembered how they had this you know thing prepared to talk about it's like you know no everyone's afraid and everyone's you know dealing with 9-11 we almost canceled the tour and we realized we really wanted to be here with all of you that's like what Reese said right Mm -hmm. and I've never forgotten that but then I found the tour list and I'm like, oh, it was like September 15th. It was like Oof. days after or like yeah. the 16th or something. Like ooh, wow. that's when I saw the show. Like, And I was like, I guess it really, because in, in my mind, like over time, I'm like, oh, was it really worth mentioning? You know, wasn't it a little bit later, a couple months later? Like, no, it was like less, it was just about a week after 9-11. I mm. saw Reliant K and Five Iron Frenzy twice that weekend. And wow. you know, both times they were, they didn't like dwell on it. They were just like, we're happy to be here with everyone everyone we hope you know everyone's doing all right and it's a scary time and all that and then they yeah. probably launched into you probably shouldn't move here or something <laughs> yeah i uh i think i've talked about this on the pod before too but i also saw them on that tour and when they came to chicago i'm seeing on the internet it was october 7th um which is when we had like just started bombing iraq in retaliation oh, right. and reese like paused between songs and was like so we started bombing Iraq tonight or something like that. And like a bunch of people in the audience cheered and we're like, woo. And he was like, uh, I'm not sure that that's what I was going for. <laughs> right. And just like kind of talked through feeling complicated about it. So yeah, I yeah have strong memories of that specific time and having Five Iron guide us through it as well. So that's interesting. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> thanks again, Danny. Yeah, well, thanks, thanks for having me on. And we will, uh, you know, have you on our show too jessica's sick that's why she's not jumping on uh, all right so, feel better i'm, I'm sorry no i'm sorry like, jess Hi. i'm sorry jess feel better and we're supposed to record tomorrow but she's uh, gonna get better hey well you missed you obviously weren't on uh at the very beginning but john is also sick and powering through so all together this is a professional this is a professional i pulled it together for the bud oh man danny Um, what an asshole (laughs) everyone go subscribe to sadie hawkins pod and check it out yes cool thanks all right (laughs) yeah see you buddy talk to you later bye Bye. all right that guy he's a good guy that's a good guy i mean danny was speaking of other og mag pod people danny has been here from the beginning, not the first time he's been on the pod. We had a standalone app no. talking to him about MXPX memes back on the, right. on his the, other his other side hustle. Yeah, he's got he's got hella hustles, man. <laughs> That's true. This guy, I don't know how he I don't know how he does it. He's um, also uh, overheard at punk shows. Yeah, that yep. That tr- just, yeah, yeah. He's that's got like tens of thousands. Yeah. Of, and it's what's weird is he he told me he's like it started out as like another meme account. Like mm-hmm. the overheard stuff that he first started posting was fake. And oh, then and then people started sending him real oh, that's stuff. Funny. Huh. And then he transitioned it into like real real things. So, yep. and then everybody started like all these people started following it. So um, which is kind of nuts. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, okay, so before we get into the five, John. <laughs> do, do you want to play a game? <laughs> yes, I do. Awesome. Okay. So, today we are talking 2001, we just entered the new millennium, and in a time before 
the ubiquitous smartphone and smart speakers. Mm -hmm. The burgeoning tech industry was churning out all kinds of devices and gadgets in hopes that they would become the next big trend. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to describe a series of um, either, you know, timely turn of the century uh, items or a tech or smart product from 2001. And you need to tell me if the item I'm describing is real <laughs> or something that I just made up. Okay. I can't wait. Okay. <laughs> All right. So here's the first item. Are you ready? I think so. So See? I'm going I'm gonna read you the item and then a description. Okay. About and I it. Just say whether it's and then real. Yes. So I'm gonna read you the the product name some copy okay. and um, a price okay. for the item. Uh -huh. Okay. <laughs> Sterapin. <laughs> Worried about terrorists polluting the water supply? Mm. Fear not, patriotic Americans. Powered by two AA batteries, the cordless Sterapin uses ultraviolet light to decontaminate a 16 ounce container of water in about a minute. Wow. It, its maker claims Sterapin will kill 99.99% of bacteria and viruses found in water for a mere $199. <laughs> Is this a real tech smart gadget or is this something I just made up? You know, I think the world is weird enough that that is real. You think it's real? Yeah. You're right. It is. <laughs> it is real. Um, so inventor, just in case any drink of water anybody had might have been poisoned by a terrorist. <laughs> that's the idea. <laughs> I, you know, I, I, I altered some of the copy a little bit, okay. but that was like that was part of I think part of the selling point. Okay. Um, was. Because I, I altered the co some of the copy because I didn't want there to be like, like copyright or like I was like just ripping off, um, uh, ripping it off. But and so you better not be looking these up as I read them to you, buddy. <laughs> I am not. Okay. <laughs> but um, this is like uh, bar trivia rules. You know? <laughs> there no you phones. go. Exactly. All right. Uh, this product is called Lip Biotics. Mm. It's that time of year. Your coworkers are sick. Everyone on your commute seems to be sick. And now you're worried about catching something and passing it on to your family. You know what that's like, John. Yep, indeed. <laughs> so no more kisses for your husband and kids until it passes, right? Wrong. <laughs> Introducing Lip Biotics, the first prescription lip balm with a full dose of antibiotics and a low dose of antiviral in every tube. With every application, Lip Biotics kills 99% of bacteria on your lips and reduces the chances of transferring cold and flu viruses through saliva by up to 70%. Formulated by the NIH, the National Institutes of Health, with a partnership with the CDC, Lip Biotics outperformed a regular medicated lip balm in a six-month trial. Cost is around $30 a tube. Mm. Is this real or just some shit I made up. <laughs> I. It seems plausible, real. 
It is made <laughs> up. I just made this oh, shit man. up. <laughs> that seems possible. <laughs> Once you said the thing about <clears throat> other lip balms, is that real? Are there like medicated lip balms? Is that well, a thing? I mean, I mean, there are medicated lip balms that are like you know, it has like menthol <laughs> to make your lips heal, but yeah, not but to it, like yeah, like for cold sores, diseases. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no. okay. I don't, I don't know. I, I, some of this. So here's the thing. I, I spent some time like looking up online, just like putting smart in front of a noun. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> there is so much stupid shit out there. What was this one called again? Lip biotics. <laughs> Lip biotics. I mean, in retrospect, maybe I should have <laughs> gone false, but um, um, you, you sold me. All right. So uh, one for two. S- uh, next, uh, smart shirt. Uh, can't tell if you're having a heart attack or just hit the bench press a little too hard at Gold's Gym. Why don't you ask your t-shirt what's going on? <laughs> Introducing smart shirt made of a soft washable fabric with optical and electrical fibers woven into it. The smart shirt records your body's vitals like heart and respiration rates, body temperature and calories burned. Information can then be sent wirelessly to doctors or personal trainers. Military specific smart shirts would help locate wounded soldiers and transmit their specific wounds. $175 for a smart shirt. Is this is this a real tech device or some shit I just made up? I mean, again, seems plausible, but I'm I'm going fake. It is real. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, it's so hard to tell. <laughs> I know. This is why this is why it's so there's so many things that are just like and some of this stuff was like they these were like highlighted on lists of like <laughs> Like, the best. like tech gadgets and I'm just like I and it's like there's probably a reason that we've never heard of some of these things because <laughs> you know um, a smart shirt come on guys did you tweak that copy? I tweaked. I tweaked it a little. Okay. Because um, I was like, "Why don't you ask your T-shirt what's going on?" And I was like, "This that is fake." W- that, <laughs> that was real. <laughs> that was kind of. That was almost word for word what the copy okay. said. Amazing. And, <laughs> so, but like also, yeah. Anyway, um, all right. Dockers mobile pants. <laughs> You're about to head out the door. You have your wallet your car keys, your house keys, your cell phone, your Palm Pilot, your digital camera, your MP3 player. Short of borrowing one of your wife's purses, what do you do with all your gadgets? New from Dockers, the Dockers mobile pants. These pants combine the classic look of a tailored slack, but with a modern twist. Just inside its waist seams and hidden behind zippers on the legs are three extra mesh-lined pockets for stashing all your tech gadgets. Now, if only someone would combine all these things into a single device, we wouldn't need all these pockets. Uh, $52 for a pair of Dockers mobile pants. Is this real or some shit I made up? You really have me questioning myself now. (laughs) Um, I think it's plausible. I'm going to say real. This is real. Okay. okay. Dockers mobile pants. (laughs) That's so bizarre. Yeah. Um, I was trying to figure out what these would look like. Like, because they did, because the copy that said just inside its waist seams are hidden behind zippers on the legs are three extra mesh lined pockets. <laughs> so I, I was trying to figure out like what that meant and what that would look like. Right. Um, and I'm also trying to imagine what it would be like walking with 
<laughs> all these with like your Palm Pilot and your phone. Right. It's like stuff like just like brushing and like moving in your pants. Yeah. I can't imagine it would be very comfortable. Uh, that sounds tough. Yep. All right. So you have uh, two two out of I think you have uh, two out of four. Okay. Okay. Not bad. So. Um, I mean, failing, but you know, um, <laughs> this is this is our last one. Okay. This is the Robo Rachel. Ooh, <laughs> have trouble talking to girls? Mm. Sure, we all do. But how are you supposed to meet someone when you don't know what to say? Enter the Robo Rachel. <laughs> Introduced at CES in 2001, the Robo Rachel is an interactive robot created to assist people with social anxiety and low self-confidence to help them gain skills they need to talk to potential partners. Robo Rachel comes programmed with over 100 conversation topics and and responds to specific voice commands such as, Hi Rachel, how are you? And (laughs) what do you do for fun? A list of voice commands are provided with updates and software patches already in the works. Heath Klein, lead MIT programmer and developer, noted that research was done to determine the specific areas most men uh, most the specific problem areas most men had when talking to women and this influenced the design and programming when asked about the name Klein said it was inspired by Jennifer Anderson's character from Friends someone many men listed as their ideal woman um, $1,499 for the robo Rachel <laughs> Is this a real tech gadget or some shit I made up? You know, because men are men, I'm going to say real. It's some shit I made up. Oh, man. That's totally plausible. (laughs) Robo Rachel really seems like she could have existed. (laughs) Yeah. um, Yeah. And it also, I was going based on... There were a lot of stupid robots at this time. <laughs> so a good uh, album title for somebody. <laughs> a, lot a lot of stupid, stupid robots. robots. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. So um, I failed. Two, <laughs> two out of five. I mean, that was. Yeah. This um, is one of, your, if, one of your tougher ones, I guess. It was. Uh, yeah. It was. It's tough because let's be honest. A lot of early two thousands inventions were really stupid. <laughs> um, but I don't know. Maybe we can look online to try and find some Docker's mobile pants and a smart shirt. <laughs> <laughs> then, I hope so. Then we'll just have the whole the whole outfit, and I can, <laughs> you know, hang out with uh, hang out with Robo Rachel. <laughs> Perfect. Oh man. Oh god. You know okay. who needs a Robo Rachel is uh, the singer of Pre X Girlfriend. Oof. That he really guy. could have. Uh, yeah. I could have used some Robo Rachel interactions. Yeah. He didn't. He didn't. He didn't even ask her what she liked to do for fun. <laughs> yeah. What the hell? <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Um, should we we go from that into into the five? Let's do it. All right. This is the five. Did it did did drop it? Yo, me and Bobby, we was walking down the street. Watch your profanity. Yo, we didn't have nothing to Watch your profanity. On, but yo, these ain't my pants. Uh, I'll get them off now. Watch your profanity. I'm trying to think of what I did last. Yeah, last I am week. too. Oh, uh, was it? Uh, <laughs> it was. Um, Glen Gary, Glenn Ross, <laughs> and Chris Farley. Um, right. from the, the decaffeinated Colombian coffee crystal. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, my oh, God. Man. 
classic. Yeah, stupid, <laughs> stupid. We uh, we have a lot of good music in 2001. I it's true. I was really pumped this week to look up 2001 albums and listen to so many of them over and over again and find out, man, they really hold. Some of these albums really hold up yep. in my estimation. Agreed. So some of the albums that I have on my list, got to throw out our boys, MXPX, the Renaissance EP. Oh yeah, good call. Um, that I, for OG fans who listen to this, um, listen to that episode, got it that same goodie because John. <laughs> goody got it. Goody got it. Um, some 41's All Killer No Filler. Uh, Jimmy World's Bleed American, which is, which is a banger. From beginning to end, every song on that record rules. It still holds up. Um, Speaking of problematic people that I still, uh, whose music I'm still into, I have two two of those albums on this list. Uh, Brand New's Your Favorite Weapon, which I, this came out in 2001, but I first heard it in 2002 at my freshman year of college and was immediately into it dashboard confessional places you've come to fear the most uh this will come into place in my second mm-hmm. of my five um but that album i can put it on sing it from beginning to end uh i love it unironically is bouncing that, uh, so- your hair is everywhere era yeah, screaming okay. infidelities yeah. yeah yeah okay uh bouncing souls how i spent my summer vacation Propagandi, Today's Empires, Tomorrow's Ashes, mm. uh, which is an album I discovered a little bit later, mm-hmm. but it it it's the album that started my love affair with Propagandi. Daft Punk's Discovery, Reliant K's The Anatomy of the Tongue-in-Cheek, The Strokes' Is This It, yep. and uh, the other problematic fave, Ryan Adams' Gold. Yeah, good call. Uh, why did he have to who he is <laughs> <laughs> why is he the way that he is he truly um, is the toby of the music industry <laughs> yeah i um have a pretty similar list for my five um so we talked last week about radiohead's kid a right uh the next year was radiohead's amnesiac which you know i talked about before that when kid a came out i was kind of like needed a little bit of time to process it similar it took even longer actually with me for amnesiac because i was like oh this just feels like leftovers of kid a type stuff which it was they recorded all at the same time but once i like got into it i really love that album a lot i think there's Hmm. um some really beautiful compositions kind of hidden under some bleeps and bloops anyway i also have the strokes this is it that feels a very uh 2001 album me yeah um i also have jimmy world's bleed american which was changed to be self-titled post 9-11 right yeah that's <laughs> that's weird. another that's another problematic uh time in yeah. in our in culture and media um right. yeah. which we'll discuss um yeah. a little later uh, when we get into the 9-11 section but right yeah um, my other two, so White Stripes, White Blood Cells. That's yeah. when I first got into them. That was a big yeah. record for me at that time. And then Fugazi's The Argument. Um, that was like, uh, I remember when it came out, kind of controversy in the Fugazi world for being like, some people thought it was like too poppy. Um, but I really liked it 
uh, still a good album. So anyway, um, we also, you know, another, and this is kind of getting back to my point that I was making earlier about like when I entered college in 2002, that I started expanding my musical tastes and you only have so much time to listen to so much music right. in a day. And so it was also around that uh, time um, in college, I started this, I listened to Bjork for the first time and yeah. Vespertine had come out in 2001 and Vespertine was the first Bjork album that I heard. And, and I had texted you today and I'm like, Oh man, how good is Vespertine? And <laughs> And you were kind of unsure that because so what would you what would you say what would you say your favorite Bjork I mean, record? For me, it's like the '90s albums where I was so in on all of those as they were happening, and then like two okay. thousand. So like like post or yeah, I mean I know. think probably post is my favorite debut, close second. I really really like Homogenic too. I think yeah. all of them are great. Those are a little more like you know they're still weird, but they're kind of like bite size pop song versions of weird Bjork. And right. I think in the two thousands, she starts going on this <laughs> journey towards just like, yeah, you, you described it as lush, which is correct. These just like long orchestral. Yeah, man. Um, there's just a lot going on and I don't dislike it at all. I love all her albums, but like it definitely becomes less sort of um, traditional pop after the nineties and goes into weirder grander territory um so it never was at the same level as me for you know for the first few but. and i think i think my heart was prepared to find uh bjork at that time because uh-huh. i also discovered cigaros around the same time when i yeah, when sure. i started college and and those long lush yeah. weird kind of orchestral icelandic <laughs> you know albums yeah. are just like all right i'm i'm up for this whatever <laughs> whatever totally. uh so i i think i was just it just hit me in the in the right in the right spot yeah if you're if you're of the frame of mind to receive bjork you can follow her wherever she will go i know that's not everybody's jam but she's one of my like top top all-time faves um i mean and she's I, she's a pioneer for sure she was like my number so I always said like Bjork and Tom Waits were the two that I wanted to see in concert most. Yeah. Both of whom like never toured at least to Chicago. And she finally played Pitchfork and I want to say like 2014 or something like that. And I went and it was amazing, but her short was like 45 minutes long because they had to cut it short due to like thunderstorms. And I was like, I've been waiting so long for this. Why does it have to? Was this, was this the year? What was the year that, um, the Foo Fighters played in like torrential a torrential downpour because I remember at, there was at Lala or where maybe were they? it was maybe it was Lala. I don't uh, think they played Pitchfork, but maybe not Pitchfork. There I, there was something in Chicago where the Foo Fighters were. It was like and it was like this epic, like unbelievable downpour, and Dave Grohl could not have looked more <laughs> punk rock and hardcore as it just awesome. was like. Yeah, so I you need to I want to find I want to find some video yeah of that um So it is just sheets of rain coming down and he is in a black shirt and he's just like 
you know, drenched and it's just like, can, he's not, he's not one of those guys that's going to be like, Oh, I can't play because it's not the perfect condition. It needs to be 73 and sunny and no clouds in the sky. And I need my, you know, my brown M&Ms or whatever. <laughs> now what Bjork said was she was like, I wish I could keep playing, but they're telling me we have to stop. So anyway, sucks. I bet she would have committed to it too. Yeah. Well, I'm not, I'm not trying to throw. <laughs> Wasn't it your Bjork impression? <laughs> uh, no. So, no, I wasn't trying to bust toss. I was just saying he, no, that no, Dave no. Girl is not a. Uh, yes. He's, I'm with you. Yeah. Hey, anyway. You know where I saw Foo Fighters play once? Um, Wrigley? Wrigley Field? No, uh, Best Buy. <laughs> What? What year was this? We keep talking about how Best Buy was the cool place to be. Or no, we were talking about Circuit City, I guess. Wait, where did Best Buy was where you got your Best Buy was where I got MXPX, and Best Buy is also where Brian got his (laughs) five iron CDs. And it's where I saw uh, Foo Fighters on uh, on Rain Road too. Did you see him at Rain Road? No, man, I was I was not living here yet. Was this Uh, in Was this in Minneapolis? uh, It was in like Roseville, which is a suburb of St. Paul. Yeah. Weird. Yeah, I don't know what they're doing. It was like an acoustic set, but I know we waited a while to see them. Good story. <laughs> this would have been like this is this has been this has been an episode of John Potter's Pod Potter. <laughs> yeah, not a particularly good one. All right, what's your uh, number, My number two? two. <laughs> so this I said uh, it related to dashboard. Um, so I think I can't remember the exact timeline. It could have been on last episode that I could have talked about this, or it could have been, I just split the difference because I wanted to talk about dashboard, um, and the places album because it came out in 2001 and the the time of my life when I was as emo, just like at, I was just like reaching levels of peak emo. And (laughs) Uh so I was... 15, probably 15 when I had my first kiss Ooh. and, and it was like with an, a girl who was a little older than me. Hey now. And they, boing, <laughs> sound effects. <laughs> Auga. <laughs> um, and, and yeah, so she was my first kiss and we were making out a lot and, um, it was pretty great. Uh-huh. However, Sounds good. yeah, uh, I was as, you know, cause I was a 15, 16 year old kid and the Christian struggling with like, um, should we be doing this? Is this the right thing to do? I really want to like make out with you and like, you know, um, but this could <laughs> like, this could lead to more. And is that right? And so I just started stupidly getting to, into my own head about like, sex and pleasure and mm-hmm. the, is what's the moral thing to do. And, and, um, and so then like, um, and I think I was just like scared about the intensity of everything. Uh, so we like s- stopped seeing each other. And then I eventually really c- came to regret it and feel bad about how everything went down. And um, <laughs> I remember listening to that this album this dashboard album and listening to the song this ruined puzzle and feeling like you know the line was like does he ever get the girl and i'm just like i don't i never get the girl uh, 
such sad times. <laughs> it <I> mean, that's, <laughs> was. That's peak emo. That was very emo. Yeah. So, mm. well, there's that. Things story. got better. <laughs> did they? Uh, I mean, <laughs> did, did they though? <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, yeah. <clears throat> well, you know what didn't get much better for me either was I started college in 2001. Mm-hmm. I really let loose in Chicago. You know, I was just like, got this whole big city to myself, going to see shows by myself all over the city on my right. own. Um, and so when I said, <laughs> I was just trying to make a transition there, but when I said things didn't get better for me, what I was alluding to is I went to a U2 concert at um, United yeah. Center <laughs> in, um, gosh, probably October 2001. And it was the tour for... Um, the record we talked about last week, all that you can't leave behind. And I was like, I got to go see him. And it was great. <laughs> I went by myself like immediately after moving to Chicago as an 18 year old to, you know, United center, uh, <laughs> far away from where our college was. And afterward, I did not know how to get home. I was like navigating public transit, but poorly. So I thought if I got on the blue line of the L um, and got off at Kedzie that then I could catch a bus on Kedzie and take that to where we lived, which was mm-hmm. like way, way North on Kedzie. Right. That turned out not to be the case. Um, and I had kind of a near death experience. It's Oof. a whole thing. <laughs> there was, a, you're just gonna, you're just gonna gloss over that near death experience part. Well, I'll briefly say, uh, a homeless man saved me from my pimp. <laughs> Uh, uh, this is if there is an ever, ever a time for you to not just like gloss over something. just gloss over something this so what, is was real. The, what, what was the pimp trying to do was he was okay. the pimp trying to like get, like make you a john and like connect you with one of his girls or what, what was it what's the situation kind of yeah i mean so it was like you're looking for a good time or what, what was well the i'll get there's other people involved as well so like okay yeah let's just you know for people who aren't hyper local which is most people uh right getting off the train at the kedzie stop on the blue line um you know and it was like midnight or one in the morning or whatever on a weeknight as like an 18 year old white kid it's you know that's like lawndale ish um not a not a not the most safe neighborhood and um immediately after getting off um there were two who i learned uh were sex workers uh who asked me if i either was looking to buy drugs or was selling drugs <laughs> and once they figured out that i wasn't doing any of those things they were confused about why i was there uh, and i was like i'm just trying to get to the bus and they were like well are you looking for a good time and started like kind of pressuring me and I was just like Ooh. no and I was trying to walk to the um gas station so I could like take out some money on my ATM card to catch a bus or something I don't know oh. there was a there was a bad another bad decision in there somewhere and they followed me to the gas station they didn't like that I was like being rude or something so then I left the gas station and there was a very very tall man who said I heard you were disrespecting my ladies Oh boy. And I was like, no, no, sir. And then this homeless man who had been at the gas station with me was like, no, he's with me. We're going over here and started like just walking me down the street. And I was like, I don't know if, if anything's going to be better with this guy, but probably better than the other guy. Um, and he was like, boy, it's lucky I came along. And I was oh like, what gosh. do you think would have happened if I didn't? He's like, you would have gotten beat bad. And I was like, holy shit. Oh. 
So I was like, I'm just trying to get to the Kedzie bus. He's like, where are you trying to go? And I was like, uh, like Albany Park. And he's like, you're never going to get there. Here, You have to walk all the way over here to catch this bus because that runs all night. Anyway, he walked me to where I needed to go. He was like trying to get me to have him come stay with me. And I was trying oh, to explain no. I lived in a dorm and I couldn't do that. And then like the cops stopped and they were like, is everything okay? And I was like, this bus goes the right way, right? And they're like, yeah. And then the guy was like, why did you ask the cops? Don't you believe me? And I was just like, oh man. So anyway. Oh my <laughs> gosh. It was quite an ordeal. <laughs> poor little white poor, Johnny from Minnesota. Poor, just poor having Johnny. a tough time. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> it all worked out. Oh man, that... That is, that is, that is the opposite of John Potter's pot fodder. That is a great it's, story. <laughs> it's something, all right. Oh man, I'm glad. I'm glad you did not get your ass kicked by a pimp. <laughs> Me too. Yeah, but I think, that I think the real question my... <laughs> is why? Why were you disrespecting his ladies? I mean, I I was really trying not to be. I'm not sure <laughs> how it came off quite that way. That um, you that you didn't have sex with them, probably. I mean, yeah, I think more it was like this kid is an easy mark. Uh, let's beat this, him up and take he, his money. Yeah, like what is he doing here? <laughs> let's right. leverage this somehow. <laughs> right. Anyway. Uh, oh man, if you had if you had your mullet, you they wouldn't have messed with you. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, should have worn my acid wash jeans. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> anyway, so why don't we transition from that into sharing just because I don't I don't want to end on 9-11. Right, right. Okay. So, um, you know, I and we don't need to like talk about it like at length. Yeah. You right. know, but I just felt like it was worth just kind of talking about like what was going on. Yeah. With us at that time. Um, so I was while you were a senior or, or, or sorry, freshman at North Park at this time, I was a senior in high school. And this was during, um, I think during second period. And this was, I was working uh, in, um, so I was in a class that helped produce the morning announcements. Um, At our school, we had televised morning announcements. And so there are some people that worked the cameras and other people that like um, helped like queue up the visuals. I helped queue up the visuals and, um, and do like some of the wipes and, and that sort of stuff for the morning announcements. And, um, but then also we had time in the class where we would go and um, like we would create intros for the announce morning announcements uh, that would air, you know, when, kids were in the sitting class and they would have something on the TVs before, before the announcements started. Mm-hmm. And so we would go out and during the period and like film stuff and just kind of come up with something creative for the morning, for the morning announcements. And mine were always sort of weird and surreal. And there are uh, somebody that I, I did a lot of these with put them online on YouTube. Um, so you can see, videos of 17-year-old uh, me, at this point, 17-year-old me, doing, like, ridiculous uh, <laughs> videos for the morning announcements. I might have to... I would to, like to see these. I'll have, maybe I'll, I'll pull them up yes, later please. later in the episode, and I can, I'll, I'll show them to you. But anyway, so I seem to remember I was doing something, and I wanted to go out and do some, like, filming around the school or something for the intro for the announcements, and... 
I seem to remember somebody saying something like about planes and something on TV about planes and all it, that, that, that was pretty much all that I remember registering. And I um, was like, I thought that they were watching some videos of like, my first thought was like videos of like, um, like air and water show planes or something like right. something like that. Cause I, and cause I didn't totally understand it. I'm like, I don't, I'm not, gonna watch that i'm gonna (laughs) go do something else and it was only later that i think i was in the cafeteria and there were there was a tv on and people were watching it and i was like i i didn't know what the world trade center was i had never been to new york city i had no idea what that meant and uh i was confused as to what was happening i didn't know what any of this meant and uh, I was a very naive kid. And then as the news kind of grew throughout the day, it kind of became clear that something very sinister and uh, deadly had happened. And then there were kids I knew that were like, you know, my uncle works in that building or I know people there and, hmm. you know, and um, and it was, everything was just sort of like, I was just trying to every, I think just like everybody, people trying to make sense of it in the day and in the days surrounding it. And then the, the most bizarre part of this story for me uh, personally, this is um, because I didn't know anybody um, directly affected by it. But um, one of my memories of this event was that two days later I had to have an emergency appendectomy. And, um, so I was in a hospital, um, and the only thing that was on TV was 9-11 coverage Mm -hmm. and Jason Ariano talking about like people jumping out of windows and, and just like video, the video and images of that just perpetually on a loop in my hospital room and, and then across the street from the hospital, there was like a military base in Arlington Heights where I was living. And there's like, like they had like put an anti-aircraft gun, mm. like on top of one of the buildings. Jeez. And, and it was also around this time that like, you know, we lived near O'Hare. Right. And like they grounded all planes. Yeah. And, and so there was like nothing. Yeah. When you live near an airport, Right. And all of a sudden the airplanes stop. Yeah, that's pretty weird. It is pretty weird. So um so that's hmm. well where I'll leave that. Yeah, I mean <clears throat> I don't really have anything profound to say, but I definitely distinctly remember. So this was yeah, my first quarter of college and I was in an eight AM health class three days a week, which that's a brutal uh entry into college. Right. Um but uh yeah the day that it happened i didn't know anything when i got to class at eight but one kid came in a little after that and told the professor who was not one of my favorite professors um you gonna name names well tony quinn do you remember him i don't yeah i don't know um that he's like a plane just crashed into one of the world trade center towers and 
Professor Quinn said. Oh, that's interesting. So um, anyway, back to what you need to do for health. And I was just like, huh. I was like, if it's really as serious as it seemed, like if, if it were a bigger deal, like he probably would have like said, oh, maybe we should look into what's happening. <laughs> but he just said, oh, that's interesting. So I was like, it probably can't be that big a deal. And then I remember walking back to the dorm after class and just every person's door was open to their room with the TV on. And I think that's when the second plane went in. Anyway, what a wild day. And I just like, yeah, yeah, tough to process. I had a lot of friends who had moved to New York right around then to go to college there and hearing from them about what was going on. And just, I remember the fear of people in Chicago being like, you know, are they going to strike here next? And right. um, yeah, I don't know. So I don't, I don't know if the, the gravity of the situation fully hit me in the moment, like you were saying at the time, but um, I knew that uh, this was crazy. So anyway, yeah, that's all I have. Yeah. Um, certainly a day that, um, had profound ramifications. Um, you know, I also, I just, I, I I remember saying that like, I wanted to talk about Jason, what Jason said about like, anytime we go out, he he goes out in public and, you know, and uh, he thinks about, um, yeah. You know, I, I just think that Americans have become so used to violence yeah. We live in a culture of of violence and I think we have and I'm not even talking about violence in the sense of like what we watch on TV and movies but like actual literal violence right. in that plays out in real life that we just sort of feel like it's part of the collateral damage of just like this is what we get for living, having freedom. And this is what we get. This is like, just like, this is, and we just think that this is just part of the deal. And like, this doesn't have to be part of the deal. And when we conduct foreign policy in the way we do, and when we put up with the level of um, self-inflicted wounds in this country, um, and I know not everybody's going to agree with our our politics on on some of this stuff, but sure. um, I just think we've become accustomed to the level of death and blood that we yep. actively let be spilled around yep. us. I agree. And, and I was talking to my brother bad. about this the other day about how we both think like anytime we go to a movie, yeah, you know, we just think. We just think about Colorado and right. and and it just and it's not like that happens all the time. It just takes it takes once, you know. Right. It took nine eleven to change the way we operate with airports. Yeah. Forever and and study after study shows that like the way we operate in the airports does not make us safer. Right taking off our shoes and having full body scans and all these long lines and everything stuff still gets through the metal detectors. Stuff can still be, I mean, it, it doesn't make us safer. We're just perpetually 
like taking away freedoms from people and freedom from, you know, freedom from being, have our privacy invaded and, and also my freedom to not, you know, get shot in a school or a church right. or a movie theater yeah, or whatever. Um, yep. Anyway, I know you and I are on the, on the same page about this. I'm not, I'm not telling you anything you don't no, know. No, 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 no. Yeah. It's but just, uh, I think going to be losing some people at this point, but <laughs> um, anyway, well, should we take a classic hard left turn to a different to, number on our list? <laughs> want to talk about some movies over here? Let's talk about movies. <laughs> All right. Why, why don't you hit me with some of your, I only have, I only have a couple that are super significant for me. Okay. Well, I was saying last episode, we both were. 2000, not a big movie year for us. 2001, very big movie year. Uh, Mulholland Drive from David Lynch, uh, Twin Peaks creator. I know, you're, I know you're a Lynch head. It's true. Uh, Royal Tenenbaums, big one. Yeah. Uh, Amelie, classic. Yes. yes. Uh, Lord of the Rings, anybody? Yeah. <laughs> Haven't heard of it. <laughs> Harry Potter, anybody? Harry who? <laughs> First chapters in both of those sagas. Yep. Uh, and then other cool stuff, uh, AI, artificial intelligence. What do you think about that movie? You ever see that one? Nope. I have not. I did not see that one. That was the, was that one with the Haley Joel Osment? It was. It's a really interesting and dark uh, movie. I like it a lot. Yeah. Um, the Others, good scary movie. And then uh, Hedwig and the Angry Inch. Have you ever seen that? I have not. Oh, you would love it. You got to watch it. Do you have it on DVD? Can I borrow it? (laughs) I don't, but I'm sure you can find it (laughs) streaming like a normal person. (laughs) I recommend you watch it. Okay. Um, So, yeah, I had uh, Lord of the Rings and Mm -hmm. um, HP. Um, So, here's – so, those are the movies that came out that that year. So, I didn't get – as I mentioned on the pod before, I didn't get into Harry Potter until – all right, that's right. 2003. Um, and, uh, and that's when I started, when I first saw The Sorcerer's Stone on DVD, and because I, I first started watching the movies, or the, reading the books, rather, in Sweden in 2003 when I was studying abroad. And I was, like, hooked forever. And then we had, someone had the first two movies on DVD, and we were watching them. And I was just like, I'm like, this is Chris Columbus, you're amazing. This is just like the books. I love it. And I think it was like, uh, and I also saw, because I think Return of the King Mm -hmm. came out in 2003. And I saw Return of the King in Sweden uh, with Swedish subtitles. Um, But anyway, yeah, so that's, that's obviously 2003, not 2001. But that's, I'm just thinking about like, where I kind of fell with, with this whole series of, of films. But yeah, I was on, I was on board from Harry Potter with Harry Potter from um, 2003 on. Okay. Yeah. Ride or die. <laughs> of course. Um, even when uh, JK Rowling makes it harder to be these days. Um, <clears throat> yeah. Everybody, anyway. <laughs> everybody's garbage. Everything <laughs> sucks. Uh, okay. Should I do my last one? Yeah. Did you do yours? No. No, you. Like, well, may, I don't know. We've been like we've been matching up quite a bit with. Yeah, so that's what's, true. What's your, My what's last your one is is weird, uh, and it's a little bit of a cheat, but because we don't get a 2002 Five Iron album, we get, okay. we get a 2003 one. Um, I have to use my 2002 content here, and I got to talk about when Five Iron, Squad Five O, Ace Troubleshooter, 
the Huntingtons and 38th Parallel all played at North Park. Oh, shit. <laughs> in December of 2002. Uh, we've talked about this on the we, pod before. We have. And um, do you know, and you know what? I'll, 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 I'll tack <laughs> on to that after you're done. But, but, <laughs> what you were doing that night? Yes. And yeah, this, we got to hear about that. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> um, but I, uh, yeah, I've talked about this last season, but I worked uh, security at it because of a weird connection that... Is this your Leonore story? <laughs> oh, yeah, I can tell that part. I kind of uh, forgot about that. Dang. Oh, no, you did not. You're <laughs> well, I, didn't, <laughs> I didn't forget about it. I just meant I forgot to include it in this... Uh... Forgetting about it, oh, woo! <laughs> Never. No, forget um, about it, oh, woo! <laughs> uh, so I... Yeah, I worked security this thing because my buddy Brian Dirksen, who we've talked about on the pod before, yeah. was in a hip hop band called Poetic Blood, and the booker for his shows was also the booker for this like whatever production company helped host this Five Iron show. So we got like uh, security T-shirts and we got to stand at the front of the stage and stuff, um, and it was great. Leonor gave me the mic for. The la 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 la, yeah. la 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 part, which was wonderful, and then yes, what you're alluding to is after the show, um, <laughs> Brian <laughs> took a set list from the stage and gave it to Leonor because uh, he knew that I was uh, a fan of hers, <laughs> 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 and he had her sign it, and he was just like, "Oh, my roommate loves you. I love this band forever," and so she wrote, "Dear John, I love you," <laughs> or something like that, and I. Then after the show, I was like, oh, thanks for signing it to her. And she was like, I love you. And I was like, okay. And she's like, I love you. And I was like, all right, thanks. Good good to see you. You and blew then, it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, you <laughs> blew it. it you should have. <laughs> it, uh, it was hung on the, the walls of my dorm for, or wherever I was living at that point. I guess you it's still a dorm. You could have used a robo Rachel. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> if I would have been able to respond to Rachel's I love you, I could have known what to say in that moment. Yep. And, and if you just had a spare fifteen hundred dollars for this exactly. fake product. Yeah. Too bad. <laughs> um so there's a reason I couldn't go to that show right. because my lame ex girlfriend <laughs> not pre ex girlfriend. Um I wish she was my pre ex girlfriend. <laughs> um she I'm pretty sure I told her that I wanted to go to the show, but instead very, uh, she bought tickets to a Michael W. Smith Christmas <laughs> worship concert. I mean, a friend of the pod, friend of, <laughs> friend of the pod. Um, but I didn't go to that show because I was at this instead. And, uh, also driving like back home or driving down there one of the two the serpentine belt or like the power steering something went out Uh on her car that i was driving and it's just like we got it was just everything was a mess and i was just like i could have been seeing five iron and squad 50 right now oh man where was the show again i don't fucking care (laughs) Sorry to open up old wounds. At least you and Smitty were able to reunite eventually. Uh, yeah, put your he, differences aside. We're friends forever, me and Smitty. <laughs> of course. Um, you know, but anyway. So my my last ending this with just like a a sigh is just. I feel like it was note worth noting that 
the way we engaged with music changed in a significant way when iTunes and the iPod were released yeah. in 2001. Um, and just like, I barely knew what an MP3 was at this uh-huh. point. Uh-huh. That Because they were still like making CD players and people were still actively buying CDs. Uh, you know, Best Buy had like rows and rows and rows of CDs. Yep. And... And so now it's like, this is a new time, you know, that obviously we talked about Napster last time and, and the start of downloadable music. And so now there's, this was a whole new way of engaging with, with music and, yeah, you know, obviously I'm a big vinyl head, mm-hmm. uh, but I stream the shitload of, uh, a stream a shitload of music too. So, yeah. Um, yeah. World changed in many ways in 2001. Yes. Leonor said she loved you and you rejected Uh her advances. (laughs) And, um, and then the rest is history. The rest is history. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and, and for those who aren't already listening to two punk to be a hippie, I I recommend, recommend do that. Um, uh, podcast for those who don't know. Yep, for those not in the know, get in the know, go listen to it. Um, so, oh, John, I can't yes. believe I had this sitting right here for this particular reason to talk about it in the five, and I keep forgetting to do it. Do you know what else came out I in don't. terms of music in 2001? Hit me with it. Oh, Andrew WK. No? <laughs> Can you see? Oh, wait. No, Thorish, yes. <laughs> Friends of the pod. Friends of the pod. My my freshman year roommate, yep. Cooper, mm-hmm. um, from Tucson, Arizona, was in a metal band. We've talked about them before. We called, have. <laughs> called Thorish. <laughs> and uh, the name of the album is Fight the Monster. So good. And... <laughs> Yeah, this, and I remember I still have this CD and I'm still, I'm still very much into it. Cooper, also a bassist, background Mm -hmm. vocalist. Yeah, his background vocals were a little different than the ones that I offered. (laughs) Yeah. Bro. (laughs) Yeah, so such classic uh, songs as uh, Metal Beast, Mm -hmm. Thrash Till You Die, Mm Mm-hmm. Blood-filled memories. <laughs> children of the Thorish. That's uh, just children, the album title. Children, no, no. Fight the Monster is the album title. Oh, right, right. You children of the children Thorish. Of yeah. Um, uh, go to your room and think about what you've done. <laughs> <laughs> children of the Thorish. Oh man. Kill the silence. <laughs> Unmourned. Yeah. So, friends of the pod. Friends of the pod. I thought maybe you were going to mention AWK because I was surprised he wasn't in your five. Um, I, so did he come, did that album, uh, did, I, uh, I get wet November, 2001, baby, dude, th- then that is 100%. I retroactively put that in my, put that yeah. in my five, uh, my number one music spot because, uh, WK <coughs> is forever in my forever in my heart. Yes. Um, all right. So let's close up the five. That has been the five. Four.
this is going to be a four hour episode. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> people, people were like, who would live? <laughs> Danny, oh, Danny posted uh, something on the, I hate five art about like one of the covers that somebody did. And somebody is like, who would listen to somebody else's three hour podcast? Who would make a three hour podcast? We both weighed like, in. <laughs> yeah. We're like, yep. Yeah, well, Sorry, guys. This is... Uh... I was like, rate and review us. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't respond. <laughs> he did not respond. I was like, yep, we'll, um, we'll spite you and make it, for, make it four hours. That's right. All right. So when we come back, we're going to be talking about the much more consistent, mm-hmm. uh, much more musically interesting, like mm-hmm. and interesting in a good way. Yeah. Uh, 2001 release, Five Iron Frenzy 2, Electric Boogaloo. That works too. Staring at the shoreline, wishing for a sound The weight of empty fishing. And we're back. Um, magnified Pod 2, Electric Hotelu, sure. Yes, <laughs> whatever. Um, so we're talking, talking the boogs. Um, <laughs> no one has ever called it that. They will now. <laughs> yep, gotta love that boogs, bro. <laughs> Are you booging? You booging over there, bro? You know what I heard is a bummer. Is that um, like white nationalists and stuff when they're like online referring to what they imagine is like the coming race war or whatever they refer to it as the boogaloo. No, I'm like, come on, don't take this from us. Come on. Also, you, it's like you, a breakdancing yeah. term among black people. So maybe I, mean, I can, can, can white nationalists just stop co-opting yeah, right. things that are like either neutral. <laughs> you like, right. you already have so much rhetoric and hateful imagery. Just right. like stick with it. Just take Leave it. the boogaloo alone. Leave the boogaloo alone. Leave the okay hand symbol alone. Yeah, Just geez. like in- innocuous things. Stop making them yours. Fuck off. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> this is the beginning of our <laughs> album <laughs> segment. <laughs> yeah. Well, if if that is... Here's the thing. If that's controversial, if my hatred yeah, of yeah, Nazis yeah. is controversial, yeah. then... Um... um <laughs> We're probably not friends. No. Yeah. Um, anyway, Five Iron Frenzy Electric Boogaloo. Hey. Uh, hey. Hey. Oh, so this is an album that, um, as previously described, was a rock album with horns. Right. Not, not a lot of ska adjacent cuts mm-hmm. on this record. There are some that you, that are, but they're few and far between. Yeah. Um, I purchased this album back in the day. I still have the uh, still have the CD booklet here. Um, it's very. We were talking about this off mic about how. Um, so the all the hype album cover was silly, but then like the lyrical content was heavy and dark, and. And then this cover is very dark and gray. Um, 
and the title's it's not, silly. Yeah. And the title's silly. Um, so it's it's kind of a weird juxtaposition. Um but I I like it and I like that everybody seems to be wearing like billowy jeans, which <laughs> right, just very yeah. much dates yeah uh, is dated in the picture. But all the pictures too are like super emo and yeah. everybody is looking like pensive and like sitting in the dirt and <laughs> Reese looks like he's crying and <laughs> yeah. Andy is, you know, every, everybody's just like, it's all their, it's everybody's model shots mm-hmm. and everybody looks good as hell. <laughs> yeah, they do. Looking did you, <laughs> did you get this album when it came out? I did. Yeah. And what were your initial impressions? I listened to it a lot. Okay. I, I was into it. I had, I, I noted the shift, but I was into it. Yeah. Um, I remember I had the poster hanging on my dorm wall. I think it was like, I got it from Covenant Bookstore, the Christian bookstore on the uh, campus, I want to say. Sorry, um, go ahead. No, I just, I think, you know, so I had talked about how all the hype had come out and I wasn't really, it didn't really stick with me. And I think I didn't feel, I, I know that I liked Electric Boogaloo more. I also got it when it came out. But I think my thoughts at the time were that, like, again, kind of going another sort of like big rock songs album. Um, initially, I felt like it was probably a little too slick, maybe like a little boring, Interesting. a little too self-serious. Um, Interesting. There are a lot of songs that have like serious or dark verses <laughs> that don't always mesh with the choruses. Um, and there's sometimes where, like, I would say from this album on. <laughs> was it a tumble down song that I always used to talk about where he's like, I took a couple pills tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Is that what it was? Yeah. Yeah. Where yeah. it's like bordering on that, like this is serious and I'm raspy now, like <laughs> where it just gets into that territory. But, you know, I will say I'm really happy to kind of rediscover it now again as a really strong album. Um, I, uh, yeah, I think it's, there are it's like a much more cohesive album than all the hype even though it's another sort of like rock leaning album as we said um i it's it's got a much stronger first half for me so okay yeah i I, think i don't disagree with that um Uh, there's also many more songs with like more explicitly christian yeah uh, that was was, there was those definitely noted that it has some of the most in your face like this is this could be like transitioned into a worship song pretty easily um but um this is uh produced by frank tate um, well, so Masaki Lu still produced it, but okay. Frank Tate was executive producer. Okay, so I wonder what I'm. I'm curious what changed. I think Tate has been executive producer on at least the last oh, couple of albums. Okay, um, but I do see he, he is credited as producer in a couple places. But I know Masaki Lu is also still on this one, so I don't know exactly what that de- delineation is. But yeah, this is a this is another five minute walk release. Uh, it came out in November two thousand one. It didn't appear to chart, which is weird. I would have uh, expected this to. Well, considering 
the association of five iron frenzy with the ska scene and ska having just started to really dive yeah that it totally doesn't surprise me sure but i mean for the hardcore ska fans who are there for the journey um which there are some and there are some that weren't so this brings us to the question of the week yes um and you might be saying to yourself andrew john question of the week um (laughs) this is not a regular segment why (laughs) There hasn't mm-hmm. been a week before this that. <laughs> okay, so here's the thing. For MXP, when we did MXPX, we would do a lot of questions of the week. And this is something that we. Uh, we're just trying to get a little bit more engagement. Okay, so why don't you get off our backs? This is the yeah. time the, of the podcast where Andrew gets uh, indignant and, <laughs> and starts pointing fingers at the listeners. That's fair. No, we just, it's so, it was a segment we used to do and we were just like, oh, maybe we should, we should bring that back. See what people, see what people think. Um, so, uh, John, what, what do we, uh, what do people think? What do people say? Yeah. I mean, we kind of asked, so as you know, Five Irons and other ska bands sound was sort of shifting from a traditional ska sound to more of a rock band with horns. Did you go along for the ride or rediscover them, come to appreciate them later? Um, and uh, over on Facebook, uh, Jason Maxwell said, I loved it, especially after the all-over-the-map all nature of all the hype, which is fair. I thought um, it was their most consistent record. <laughs> yeah. Wait, <laughs> you're talking about all the hype when you say that, right? Yes, I was joking. Somebody said that earlier. <laughs> yeah, that, it, was, it, was a, it was a callback from like an hour ago. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah, so much time has passed. Um, and then uh, let's see, over on Instagram... Uh, Irish over 32 said uh, after being a five iron diehard, I couldn't get on board with all the hype and didn't even give electric Two a chance. Even now after eventually giving electric Two plenty of listens, it's still the five iron album. I listen to the least. I think it's a better album than all the hype, but it's not very fun. And that seemed to me the issue with rock with horns. It's just, it just didn't seem as fun as ska less than Jake and Goldfinger suffered the same fate. Um, which I think I felt similarly to him at the time that it came out. I just kind of was like, oh, Scott's moving away from that sound. I'm not as invested in it anymore, but um, I have enjoyed going through it. Uh, our good buddy Jason from Unoriginal Vinyl weighed in with the exact opposite response and said, <laughs> Electric Boogaloo is the best Five Iron Frenzy record, period. Hands up, fight me. <laughs> um, a uh, a position that he shared on on last week's episode with us. Yeah, um, hot it's, take. It is it is it is a hot take. I mean, I think the traditional safe response would be our newest album ever would be the. Yeah. But then again, um, uh, Jason from Atlanta said, "Enough with the old stuff. Give me." give me some engines yeah you know let's let's get into some of that new let's get that that new shit yeah. and uh i don't i don't disagree i it's not that like i don't want to hear blue comb but like i think i said maybe um in earlier episodes i could do without arnold and willis and mr drummond i could do yeah. without that i could maybe do um without flowery song mm-hmm. and i don't know i just like let's you know, mix it up because let's 
I'm not going to, I'm not going to blow up my spot too soon and, and, mm-hmm. and say like what I feel about engines mm. or engine a million plots, but there are a lot of solid songs on that record. Yep. And, um, I think five iron has in recent years has found a groove and it, you know, there we're currently in the the midst of the like post Scott albums, right, right, and then and then later albums have the post post Scott with the return of Scott, uh-huh. and I just think that Five Iron is has they've they've done their work without Scott, and they created Electric Boogaloo, mm-hmm. which I think on the whole is a very solid record. And then taking that songwriting and that and that style and bringing him back into the fold, mm-hmm. I think yeah. joining those forces has created um, a sound that I think very much works. Yeah, and I'm not saying that I I wouldn't love a little bit more, a little bit more ska. Sure, but I also don't hate it. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm very eager for us to go through engine and talk about that. Um, one last uh, comment from Instagram. Insta Riles uh, weighed in and said, I love the rock with horns, though I basically only started with all the hype then had to move backwards. I still love the fun of the original ska, but engine is probably my most listened to album of any band since it came out. Love that style. So People I, like engine. <laughs> yes. So I, I just, this is, I know this is not a, um, this is this is going to be kind of a side a side comment about rock with horns mm-hmm. but there's a band from Austin, Texas called Quiet Company and I may have brought them up at some point earlier on in in our Magpod history of episodes. I mean we've we've talked about so much stuff it's virtually impossible <laughs> to remember uh-huh. anything we've said ever <laughs> so, Correct. so, so they started in Austin in 2005, and they're uh, essentially a rock band with horns. Um, Who is this? They're called Quiet Company. Quiet Company, and they've released a lot of they've released some great records. Um, one of their records that is probably the most significant albums in the last 10 years for me mm-hmm. um, has been their album. We are all where we belong. I just, I just want to lift up this record for a couple of reasons. One, they're a rock band that has horns and they are not ska in mm-hmm. any, in any way. Aside from that musical point where I think the music is, is really great, but this record was significant for me because when I first heard it, um, a couple years after it came out, I heard it in 2013 was when I was struggling with my faith identity and what I believed and trying to wrestle. Like, do I believe in God? Do I not believe in God? Mm-hmm. And this record was essentially the lead singer who grew up in, in Texas and grew up a Christian. And this was sort of his like album about his deconversion 
I grew up in the church. I'm no longer in the church. Right. I don't believe in God. Okay. And just sort of like now. him going through and talking about it. And it was all this stuff I was afraid to say. Right. And I was afraid to admit. And it was the first time I heard it, it was one of the most emotional experiences. I was right. at work in my cubicle and there was a song, <clears throat> the song, there's a point where the refrain is, can't you see that we are all where we belong? And then they repeat, we belong, we belong. And it made me feel so emotional to think like for so long, I have felt this like self-hatred over like about myself as a Christian, that I'm a bad Christian. Mm-hmm. And and for once, I was having somebody affirm me indirectly mm. that I belong and my life is valid and I'm okay. And it just yeah. hit me so hard. And while somebody might pick up this record and listen to it and be like, oh, this is pretty good. We all have those records that in that specific time in our life that will forever just right. be like, I needed this record right now. And this record landed at the exact moment I needed it. And, and so when I think about rock bands with horns, I don't automatically think of five iron. I think of quiet company and how I have, uh, I just have a soft spot and, and an emotional connection to this kind of a band. And I just, I just, and so I have nothing but love. Yeah. I like it. Should we get into the album? <laughs> Should I talk about another rock band with horns for 45 minutes? <laughs> Chicago. They're pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Um, anyway. Okay. Let's, let's, uh, let's move on to uh, talking about the band. Oh shit. Shouts, shouts, well, I was going to say shouts to, oh. to I was going to say shouts to Keith. Oh yeah, him too. <laughs> but, uh, no, those punk drums, I love those drums. The, no, the drums, this is, this is a total redeeming uh, album opener song. Yeah. It, it, like after, after last, last record, which it was still my number one, the album opener of, of was mm. still, but this is like punch you in the dick. Like <laughs> it's like, it's yeah, just it's like, so it, it's, 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 I, I don't know if I've heard them play this live. 
I mean, I would I would be into the hearing this live to watching them pull this song off live. I want to say they they used to do it at least. Um, but uh, this is my number two. Oh shit! Nice. Uh, I like this one a lot. I like it a lot too. It's it's very silly. <laughs> well, I mean, it's 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 only yeah, it's silly because the the idea of of a pre ex girlfriend is just like somebody who's not into you. <laughs> right. But she's also like a genetic creation or something. <laughs> you read G- genetical. She's a genetical creation. Uh, yeah. If you read the lyrics in the first verse, it's like uh, genetical testing. Something has gone wrong. Um, she should get back in her cage before they find she's gone. It's like, what's happening here? So I don't know. It's just, uh, there's a lot going on. Yeah. I don't, I don't, understand but i also i also like genetical i, <laughs> I love uh, i'm i love genetical but i i i want to know i want to know micah's deal i want to know micah's like i want to sit down with micah and talk to him about music and like his influences because like i wonder how much he's like all right guys let's like let's can we do some like heavy ass riffs here if he's the one that's like Let's let's get these like chug chug, yeah. chug 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 like you know palm muted you know right like I do think the songs that he has a credit on tend to be the ones that have like a standout sort of metally riff in them yeah um, which I am here for I'm, uh, I'm all about it I'm also here for the horns in the bridge um, the like butta bump 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 yeah. So good. Oh, um, hi. I, um, I was across the room. Are we assuming that's Leonore? I don't, it doesn't sound like her. It doesn't sound like her either. I don't, like, but it would be weird to, like, we have a girl in the band. <laughs> any let's, girl will do. Any, like, let's just, should we hire someone out to, like, I really. Yeah, I tried to figure out who it was based on the like um, production notes, and I don't know. So, Five Iron Nation, tell us, tell us who this is. Yeah, I don't. Uh... It's not somebody from Def Leppard. I know that. <laughs> this is it's a contender. Yeah, it's a contender, but I didn't okay. um, didn't make my didn't make. Now onto the the most in your face song yeah. about faith and on the record. Um, 
It's a good it's a good hooky song. The chorus is hooky as hell. Yes, I think um very angsty opening and verses. <laughs> yeah. Um but I love the chorus. Um it's definitely I would say a top 3 contender for me. Um I just think it's another one. It's another case of like I'm not sure those different parts work together super well. Do you think it's kind of like uh what Jason was saying with the right. the the no quantity where it's like oh yeah this is <laughs> these parts sort of yeah. like it's like a big shift in like tone or style right. or whatever yeah I don't feel that with quantity and um, I do feel it with all the hype I feel it less with this one but it's still there sometimes um, but uh, I don't know I I think this one I think it's a pretty poetic approach to the topic kind of yeah. telling it as a story and. I think it's pretty powerfully um, told through its lyrics, actually. Like, yeah. The idea of like following the call despite your status, despite the cost of doing that. I don't know. That, it's an interesting... I know this is a very popular one uh, for fans, and I wonder if this will be people's... in a lot of people's top three, but didn't didn't crack mine. I, I, there's, there's something to like about this song that... But I, it just... Obviously, it's... For me, it's a little bit on the nose um, for me to be like, Oh yeah, for sure. You know, this is, um, but so here's, here's a little tidbit about (laughs) this song that Mm -hmm. I think is kind of interesting. So um, there is a sketch comedy duo that has been making videos for, uh, and you can find them on YouTube. And I think they're one of like my favorite sketch comedy duos and they, they put out, videos super infrequently but whenever they do they're just pure genius and pure silliness mm-hmm. um but this two guys named brian and nick and and they have a a, a channel called brightanic and for a while they were using this as the end song for their sketches so okay, interesting. The, the the sketches would end and then it would be can you hear the bells are ring? Interesting. Um, so so there's a sketch. It's called Talk with Dad and Nick <laughs> is holding an ice pack to his face and his dad walks in the room. He looks concerned. School called. School called. Want to tell me what happened? Can you tell me? He leans down to sit next to his son. Son. He removes the ice pack to reveal a black eye, a bloody nose. Well, I was sitting in art class. I wasn't bothering anybody. And then you burst through the door and beat the shit out of me. (laughs) And why did I do that? I have no idea. Wrong answer! Can you hear the bells (laughs) Interesting. That's pretty funny. Yeah. Huh. So they, are they like Christian or? I don't, I have no idea. 
That's pretty um, interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Wrong <yep>. answer. <laughs> It takes a dark turn. <laughs> yeah, this. Yeah, the, so I, I I recommend everybody check. They've they've had some extremely popular videos that went viral. They they did one that was like every every Academy Award winning trailer ever or something. Um, yeah, Academy Award winning movie trailer, and it just like t- like touches on like every every possible trope in in like in an indie uh-huh. movie ever. That's but yeah, so check out Britannic. And for whatever reason, I don't I'm curious if Five Iron and other Five Iron fans are are know this, but I've always found it kind of curious that like one of like the most Christian songs, like all the <laughs> nose Christian songs, is like the bumper music for this like silly and oftentimes irreverent sketch comedy duo. Yeah, that's pretty funny. I didn't know about that. Yep. All right. Um moving on. To you can't handle this. Making young girls pine. I don't have the time. This is my number three. Okay. It's definitely a top three contender for me. It's just, it's a, it's a jam. The, the little guitar hook like oh, there. So good. Yeah. It's, it's great. It has like, it's, it, it's like sort of has like a combo guitar sort of keyboard sounds to it. Yeah. It's, yeah. and it sounds great. And the, yeah. the ooh, ooh, oohs during the chorus are, yep especially live this song rules live yeah it's fun they usually play this one they usually play this one live yep um i i think it just feels a little too slow to me and i don't know if it would work as well if it were faster just like especially by the time they you know do the key change and and leonard nimoy yeah yeah it just feels like i'm like dragging a little bit but yeah i do really like it it's another silly one um it's kind of a return to like sucker punch territory a little lyrically. Well, but no, in in a way it's sort of like the anti sucker punch. Right. Exactly. Yeah. It's like embracing, you know, I'm awesome. You got to get in line. I'm, I'm, (laughs) I'm a nerd and I'm awesome and you have to deal with it. It's sort of like embracing the nerdy sides. Yes. And part of me is like, that's, that's kind of the stuff that I'm on board for. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm into it. It's a, yeah. yeah, it's a good one. I love yep. that riff really is an all-timer. Yeah. Um, moving on. You ready to move on? Yep. Farsighted? Farsighted? <laughs> 
in this album that they didn't have in the hi- all the hype is kind of earwormy melody yeah. lines and this is chock full of them i don't sure know what, i don't know what happened between 2000 and 2001 <laughs> but they got their shit together and learned how to write hooks that so yeah yeah so much so that it's my number one oh shit (laughs) i thought this might make your three um it almost did it's there were some there were some contenders yeah there were some contenders this one um was always my favorite song from this album from as soon as i got it i wondered if that would stay the same when i listened this time and it still did i don't know it's just it's so driving that yeah it's great I just yeah it integrates the horns so well um with yeah. this driving riff and i just then it's like the soaring chorus yeah i love the guitar i'm just very very on board for this one as i've listened to this album a lot uh-huh. in the last week yeah there are some songs that i find myself going through the lyrics in my head or like just that are like melody lines that are stuck in my head just a little bit more and that they're just like, man, this song, it just like, it sticks with me. Yeah. Um, this, this isn't really one of them. So it's noted in the lyrics, the lyrics booklet. Mm-hmm. It says, Spartan, noun, a warrior from ancient, the ancient Greek city of Sparta. Adjective, one who lives modestly, used to describe a hermit, someone who lives 
and squalor and loneliness. Yeah. <laughs> I, so I yeah. think there, there's supposed to be this like combination of right. like somebody who's uh, hardens their heart to blocking themselves from Jesus, I guess. I don't. Yeah, I, I, I think it feels very similar to all the hype territory in terms of like feeling very low it being sort of a depression song which there are a few of those on this record um and needing god to get us through the hardest time so yeah i think of it as like a metaphor of spartan in terms of like sparse like this guy's not really living for anything having this like simple existence but then spartan also in terms of facing sort of you know trials and battles like um just using his metaphor to be like needing God through those times. I don't know. I, I like it. It's not uh, among my very faves, but it's very like that opening feels very emo, <laughs> that like guitar riff. Yeah. The verse, the verse chords also feel very emo. Yeah. Um, but it's, I don't know. I like it. The, and all of our slogans designed to take the pain away meant nothing to the son of God that night in Bethlehem. So I think that that's a, a, a message kind of repeated a little later in the record. Now on to probably the heaviest Five Iron <laughs> song that they've ever written. This is my number one. This so number song, three. this song, fucking rules. <laughs> okay. It rules. There's, very... <laughs> there is so much about this song <laughs> that I that I'm super into. Obviously, because it's like heavy, it's heavy as hell. But it's also like when it comes to like uh, their their Native American genocide songs, this is just like there's no there's no uh misinterpreting this no, as no. like a happy song right right you know you say that we're done with this turn blind eyes and still dismiss chalk this up as something past and still create a lower cast i mean we've talked about how five iron has been very prescient in yeah, totally. in some of the in some of their lyrics and it's just like you know 20 years later i mean we've 
We, there's so many things that America ha- is part of our dark, dark history that people are like, why don't you just get over it, bro? Just like get over it. You know, he, ta- he's, he talks about like systemic injustice and racism. And the part where he says, uh, on broken backs, we build empires, twisting spines for, for the steeple spires. How many people can you kill? Look at your $20 bill. And obviously referring to um, Andrew Jackson, Jackson. Yeah. and the Indian, the Indian Removal Act, which pretty much justified wholesale slaughter and genocide yep. of Native Americans. And, and, and so it's like people, people like just get over it. And this is the past. It's like, we still represent this motherfucker on our currency. And yeah. Interestingly, we were, no, go ahead. No. Yeah. We were trying to replace with, you know, like uh, Harriet Tubman or somebody. um, No, it was Harriet Tubman. Yeah. 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 And, and then that didn't happen. Um, Supposedly, it might still happen, but yeah. uh, there was momentum behind it for a little while, and of course, under this administration, doesn't seem to have uh, taken any any big leaps yeah. there. But yeah, you know, like going from so, uh, a slave owner to somebody who freed slaves might have been a good move. But you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the part, and this also very prescient in two thousand one, uh, and now to treaties we are loyal, but tear them up when we smell oil. Yeah. You know, come on. Come on, yeah. this is this is just a slam dunk. And then in the in the lyrics, he they have the the reading from "Bury My Heart at Wounded Knee," and yeah. he encourages people to read it. Yeah. So there's nothing yeah. there's nothing not to love about this song. I'm very glad that this is the song that we overlap for our threes. <laughs> it's my number three. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, yeah, talking about prescience, like there was a headline today. I don't know if you saw this that uh, Trump oh, was administration that, was that was that a, a nightmare headline about <laughs> how everything's a disaster. One of many today, literally. Oh, cool, um, cool, 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 cool. But one of the nightmares is that uh, the administration is blowing up uh, a Arizona national monument. Oh, uh, tight, 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 tight. Everything's <laughs> amazing. I love everything. <laughs> it's a mountain um, that's a sacred spot for Native Americans. It's being blown up to build the border wall there. So, um, oh, rad. Hey, and so hey, remember the you know the the pipeline that everybody was protesting, right. and then yep. and then how that started leaking immediately. Yeah. Um, it's almost like we should listen to native people and not destroy their fucking land still. Um, yeah, sounds a little crazy. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's, so I, it's very, I think the, the song is really powerful. I, yeah. I could, I'm curious to see what people think. I don't know. Like it's definitely a hard turn. As you were saying, it's like certainly the darkest they've gotten than any of their other um, well, you know, I think, songs about genocide either. I but. think, I think there was a, a turning point for Reese. It seems where he kind of ran out of fucks. Yeah. And, and I don't know, maybe this is just the album where he's just like, yeah, I don't know. I think they're kind of uh, seeing the writing on the wall and being like, we might be done here. So we might as well get in. <laughs> what yeah, we because think about what's he, happening. There's, there's an, there, he doesn't pull any punches again <coughs> on, on the Christian music industry. No, that's coming um, up. in a little bit. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, or do you have more to say? I was just going to say a little more. I mean, I'm super into the, the thrashy bass. I'm super into the, the way <laughs> they, <laughs> the way they integrate the horns. I'm not as into the delivery on the verses. Like 
he does that sort of like white guy. <laughs> it's just, yeah, that raspy rap delivery. He's trying to kind of do like a Zach. Yeah, he's I'm got just, some Zach De La Rocha going on, but I don't hate it. I'm not hating I don't hate it. it. I'm just not sure a white person can pull it off super well. Um, I kind of wish it was a little more like, you know, they do in hardcore songs where it's sort of like talk singing. Like maybe that might have been a better approach. Um, Reese has always had a little bit of a questionable yeah. <laughs> yes. approach to like to hip hop and like reggae. Yes. So I don't and know. I always find it <laughs> questionable when I hear it. Um, but you know, then well, there he... <laughs> we let's just just wait until we get to Brave Saint Saturn and and we'll <laughs> yeah. get into we will. All that. But um, yeah, but yeah, but by the time he transitions into lies, <laughs> like. <laughs> How can I not? How can I not follow with him? Um, have you ever been to the Crazy Horse Memorial? I have not. It is really cool. Almost everybody who goes to see Mount Rushmore says the same thing, which is that the Crazy Horse Memorial is way cooler. It's unfinished, of course, because it's like relying on private um, funding, and that's not ever fully come together. Is that is that near Mount Rushmore? Yeah, it's like, like right next to it. Oh, it's so it's sort of fucked up to have like these four white dudes overlooking like <laughs> right. a monument to genocide. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, that, that was why they created the crazy horse monument there to be like, here's, you know, the actual history of this yeah. land. Um, but yeah, yeah but it, we, we still barely teach that history in history. It's true. The, uh, I mean, the recording that he has there, which is, yeah, as you said, the excerpt from the book is really powerful. Um, yeah. the, so the guy, who it's a quote from in the book is black elk, who is a holy man of the Lakota right. people. And he's the second cousin of crazy horse and just kind of his, um, summarizing of what he saw the day of this, you know, massacre. And just, I don't know. It's a uh, pretty dark. <laughs> yeah. It's super dark. And, yeah. you know, we can talk about Reese and his evolving over the years on, on different social issues, but Yep. <laughs> He's been fucking right about this yep. from, from the jump. It's true. So, all right, juggernaut. All right. course this is the uh song about the x-men character juggernaut <laughs> that's right um, obviously kane uh kane marco um he's a strongman um 
<laughs> Sorry. Uh, and stepbrother of, of Professor X. Anyway. Of course. Um, <laughs> LOL. <laughs> what do you think about this one? It's a little boring it's, to me. <laughs> it's it's of it's probably one of uh, the my bottom two. Okay, yeah, that's pretty far down there. I uh, it's got a very catchy chorus. Um, I think the guitar sound on the verses is interesting, sort of that reggae-ish vibe. Yeah. Um, it's another one of those sort of way to the world depression songs um, that he still seems to kind of be in that uh, wheelhouse at the moment. But yeah, I don't know. I don't I don't dislike it, but it's. Uh, it's not uh, my top half. Yeah, it's it's a like things are hard, life is hard, but Jesus. That's that's it. <laughs> <You laughs> but Jesus. But Jesus. And uh, Professor X, of course. And Professor X, you know, <laughs> of course. And then Magneto is causing all sorts of suffering, and right. you know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, he has. This is another song where where there's uh, an annotation about definitions of juggernaut and mm. um, something such as a belief or institution that elicits blind and destructive devotion mm. to which people are ruthlessly sacrificed an overwhelming advancing force that crushes or seems to crush everything in its path. Um, it doesn't assume that people need necessarily remain passive when confronted by what appears to be the juggernaut of history. Christopher Lehman hopped. Interesting. Heavy stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is, this is Reese's um, emo phase. Yeah, for sure. Um, on to plan B, which is the first overtly ska song. Yes, it is. This is my number two. Okay, it's. I would say this is my number four, just barely outside the top three. Yeah, this this is one of the songs that I found to be one of the most earwormy songs. Yeah, for sure. On the record, and I'll find myself <clears throat> like hum. I was in. Yeah. I was sh- grocery shopping the other day, and I was. Ooh, uh, <laughs> totally. Yeah. Welcome to Plan B, and I just it's 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 hooky and catchy as hell, and. It's also like uh, legitimately a p- potential plan for, for my life, you know, just mm. like, um, I, I don't know, you know, I've been going through some stuff and yeah. there I'm just, so I'm, I'm connecting with the songs that, uh, that I'm connecting with. I connect with them because of the relevance to my life in the moment. Mm-hmm. And isn't that how we all kind of relate to music yeah. is that we're just like, we can under we can like listen to a song and be like, oh, this is a great aesthetic. But then when you listen to it, like, and 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 it's like, oh, the musical aesthetic is still there. But like, 
there's something about the lyrics that are striking me in a different way than maybe they would have in another time in my life. So, right. yeah. Um, yeah. It's like a, it's a really fun song about being sad or about like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, just trying for a new course uh, in the midst of sort of depression. Right. Um, but uh, yeah, as you said, I really like that ska sound. I love that organ or whatever that is. Like the yeah, weird kind of keyboard sound, but yeah. It's um, really cool. Yeah, there's there's something about it too that makes me feel like this might sound like a slight or an insult or something, but like there's also something about it that reminds me of PFR. Oh yeah, uh, I can there's, see that. there's a PFR song that like the like the ooh wow oohs yeah that, totally that there's like a PFR song that has that kind of vibe, <clears throat> and it's not it's not I'm not hating I'm not hating on it. Oh, um, pod fire coming soon. Yeah, pod for rain. This will this will <laughs> this will happen uh, eventually. We've talked about this for uh, seventeen years. Um, <laughs> That's when we started recording this episode. Yep, <laughs> <laughs> we we started recording this episode um, back when we were in college and high school. <laughs> Listen to the second verse for a minute. So blue mix means to weaken sounds and concert halls to battleground. Make us pay to go on tour. Mark up t-shirts to match your five fans. Go mine. You are the So are you familiar have you been familiar with the concept of blue mixing i was gonna ask you I, i'd never heard of it until i looked it up for this yeah um I, i've heard of the concept um definitely heard of the concept before and it's it's super shitty and for those who aren't it's essentially when you mix the opening bands or the non-headlining bands a little worse to make the headlining band stand out all the more and make Mm. them just appear even better. And so Reese is calling out how calling out this practice, but also like how Christian promoters, like there's, there's nothing different that this is the industry, Christian music industry, secular music industry, everybody's garbage. And, and this just goes back to, him trying to be like, um, 
like competing to play music with other bands like you know when did this become a contest making and making blind fans pay more just because they can and you can make them pay more for stuff yeah love it when he sets the sights on the christian music industry (laughs) um yeah i I really love the horn intro i think that's great um i think the verses are like a little more of a bummer um but i like the uh i just like the kind of like the self-reflection um angle of it too um like in the bridge when he's like these bands you love pull the wool over your eyes so watch them watch us like yeah watch out for those bands including ours for when we like might be trying to pull some of this on you um yeah no it's interesting it's not an area that's uh, explored no, very often i'm this is with with all of these deep dives that we're doing like i already loved reese but like i just have yeah more and more respect for the dude that he's like he's calling for accountability <laughs> right. like for yeah, his own right. band right like and you know i think that's i think that's cool yeah totally and are you ready for the, <laughs> the weird song i don't know <laughs> Thick ass bass. Watching Mrs. Brady run a brand new Kenmore washer. See the brilliant gleam of the automatic coupe. Also beautiful in China. What a lovely cup and saucer. Yeah, I saw your Rolex, but I think it's an imposter. Wave to the pretty ladies with your brand new hairpiece, baby. Ah, the smell of cash. It's good to be alive. I'm going to spend some dough like it's 1985. Get the tags off mattresses. You'll buy more anyway. horn lines yeah it's cool this is definitely the the giants of this album (laughs) yes this is the giants of the album this is um when i was there's a song that i referenced earlier that was just sort of like talking about stuff that makes us happy Mm -hmm. and this is the sort of anti-capitalist right um song about just get the stuff, get the stuff, fill in, fill in the emptiness with stuff. Right. Yeah. It, uh, you know, Jason compared giants to Devo last week and we were thinking more Tom Waits, but this feels very Devo to me. This is Devo as hell. Yeah. Yeah. It's like very satire, very kind of eighties. Um, it feels like all the hype (laughs) more than any other song on this album. (laughs) Um, but uh, yeah, the, the the verses feel very different from all the other parts of the song, <laughs> and it takes a hard turn into that chorus. Um, yeah, but uh, it's an interesting one. I mean, I'm, he's talking about the revolution. I'm into that. <laughs> I I love a song about revolution. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, yeah, one. they say the word on the street is something's going down <laughs> when the revolution comes. Yeah. The revolution. Let me let me find that part. Um, yeah. 
That part's pretty dope. It's pretty great. Yeah. Pretty great. Yeah. It's, but it's one of those, it's one of those songs. that's like, here's one idea. Here's a very different idea. <laughs> right. Yeah, can we exactly. make, can we make them the same thing? <laughs> right. Mm, maybe. We, uh, it's the same song over here. Yeah. I'm not sure. This is Car, uh, Car um, by Leonore yep. in memory of her brother, Carlos right. Ortega. Um, and evidently it references uh, an E.E. E. Cummings poem right. yeah. and reminding us to um, be present and um, acknowledge the blessings of each day. Yeah. I think lyrically it's pretty powerful. Um, yeah. I, I like it musically. I really like the horns a lot. Um, but the chorus kind of stops the momentum for me as much as I like that idea lyrically, it just feels like it kind of slows down again there. Um, so it doesn't quite stay at that level for me, but it's a, an emotional song. Yeah. Um, for sure. This is uh, one of the, handful of songs that you see with Andy as a music credit on it. Yeah. Um, you get, and also vultures and car Mm -hmm. right in a row have, um, I don't, I don't know if he has any other, I don't think so. Any other credits on here, but, um, you have any other thoughts on that song? Nope. Uh, should we move on to eulogy? Let's do it. Oh 
corpses would agree that the day of their death was a cold, dark day. Scuttled ships that block the sea and the pale light of morning melts into an ashy gray. And goodbye to everything, sayonara everyone. They are tired. Write the eulogy. No one understood a word they said. Held them all as. I'm gonna skip ahead a little bit. Okay. If Jesus Christ is true, then I am mostly lies. If Jesus Christ is love, then I have failed to try. If Jesus Christ is life, then please just let me die. Let this die. And goodbye to everything. Sayonara, everyone. It's pretty intense. <laughs> yeah. Um, every new day to electric boogaloo <laughs> except uh, much darker <laughs> yeah um it it i mean it's obvious it's so much it's more somber i mean it's literally called eulogy eulogy yeah i think the way that i had been thinking of it was like again kind of back to that idea we were talking about like reformed theology that informing the lyrics of it being like you know he's in a dark place. He can't do anything without God. But when I was reading a bit about it, it was like the theory is that it's about the band deciding that it might be time for them to end. Um, and just like, you know, the, the stuff about putting the Kings on pedestals, um, that he was like, I don't want people to put us up on a pedestal. And if that's what, we're doing by being in this band then like let's let this die um so that's pretty interesting i don't know yeah <laughs> um yeah goodbye to everything sayonara everyone they are tired right the eulogy yeah. i mean just sort of talking about um what they had been expected to do right over these past five years yeah is a feat yeah. considering sure. they wrote as much music as they did. Right. Um, with only one album to their name, that was n- not super strong. Right. I think is impressive. Yeah. I just, I thought it was interesting that it was like, I thought it was kind of about dying to yourself being necessary in order to fully be like Christ. Right. But I think it's more like, let's let this thing die because it's not, uh, serving people as best as it can, which is interesting. Um, it is kind of in keeping with that, like closing worship song in the sense that again, it's like very explicitly Christian and kind of this prayer, but it's also like pretty, pretty dark. Right. <laughs> um, so yeah, a really interesting closer. Um, not related to that. <laughs> I was just going to ask, did you watch the video for Farsighted? <laughs> um, I did not. Let me pull that up. Well, right now, eh. no, <laughs> <laughs> you can. It's just like this was um, the money behind this <laughs> was negative money. 
Um, well, so it was like um, <laughs> many was it wrecking, wrecking hotel rooms. The video. <laughs> what did I say about it? No, there was. Uh, I don't know if it was wrecking hotel rooms. Looked like it had a little bit Maybe of that a, was it. Oh, I think I said it. They used whatever the like sequel was to that. They used the leftover money from that. Yeah. To make that crappier one. No, this oh, is this- just the band playing in a bus the whole time. And also not different than MXPX playing right. or like being on a bus. The bus breaking down. The yes. bus breaking down. Similar vibes. To all the far-sighted, the sky's never been so clear. Hello yeah, it's not really worth uh, noting too much, but... They, um, they did this between shows. <laughs> yeah, for sure. They were like on their way to somewhere and like, oh, we got to do a video. Yeah. Kind of fun, but it, uh, yeah, as far as I know, that's the only video from this record. So, yeah, worth shouting out. Um, so that's Five Iron Frenzy Two Electric Boogaloo. Sure is. Let us know what you think about it over on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Uh, you can rate and review us and smash that subscribe button wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, you can email us at magnifiedpod at gmail dot com. You can. You can also leave us a voicemail. Hey. With your thoughts about the episodes, with your intro suggestions. <laughs> yes, please. Or even like an intro suggestion. <laughs> um, you can leave us that at 872-762-4763, 872-7-MAG-POD. You can support us if you're so inclined at patreon.com slash magnifiedpod. Check out our merch at magnifiedpod.storeenvy.com. And thanks to our shadow producer on Original Vinyl. And thanks to Heavy Ordnance Studios and Danny Leary for our artwork. Well, time is winding down, but only for this episode. We want you to be found enjoying the next episode when we'll have a very special guest. I love I love that part. I love the I love the little feedbacky. <laughs>